Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Israel is flooding Hamas tunnels, all as President Biden had blunt words rebuking what he calls indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. Israel is pushing ahead with its devastating ground offensive in Gaza, fighting door to door to overthrow Hamas. A U.S. official tells NBC News Israel is pumping seawater to flood Hamas tunnels in limited areas of Gaza, saying it's unclear if it will work. There is assertions being made that there's quite sure there are no hostages in any of these tunnels, um, but I don't know that for a fact. Israel's military campaign is now sparking tensions with the White House. President Biden speaking to fundraiser saying Israel is right to take on Hamas and has most of the world supporting them. But they're starting to lose that support by indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. And that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government has to change. You can't say there's no Palestinian state in the future. Sure I can. The administration wants the more moderate Palestinian Authority to take over post-war Gaza. But Netanyahu is rejecting that, saying overnight, I will not allow the entry into Gaza of those who educate for terrorism, support terrorism, and finance terrorism. President Joe Biden meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Washington. That visit comes as U.S. funding to continue supply weapons and ammunition to Ukraine set to run out within the next couple of weeks. Welcome back. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky sat side by side with President Biden in the Oval Office as he seeks more aid to help fight Russia. Mr. President, I call on Congress to do the right thing. Stand with Ukraine and stand up for freedom. Tuesday, Zelensky took his case to lawmakers on Capitol Hill, where a $61 billion U.S. aid package for Ukraine remained stalled. President Zelensky made it so clear how he needs help. But if he gets the help, he can win this war. The Biden administration is asking for the money as part of a larger supplemental national security funding package, which also includes aid for Israel. But some Senate Republicans say they won't agree to the measure unless Democrats address U.S. border security needs. Our first condition is about our own national security first. The border is an absolute catastrophe. New York's highest court has thrown out the state's congressional map, a ruling seen as a major win for Democrats. And it could change the balance of power in Congress, potentially flip seats here in New York. This is a potentially momentous decision. New York has a law that says you can't gerrymander or make congressional maps essentially for political gain. The Constitution calls for a bipartisan commission to draw the maps, but then the Democratic-controlled statehouse gets final approval. And only slight changes in current maps could likely and with lines favorable to Democrats. The new maps to be drawn by the Independent Redistricting Commission could give Democrats a shot to take back the U.S. House. The most vulnerable Republican New York congressmen are likely to be Anthony Desposito of Long Island, Mark Molinaro from Dutchess County, and Mike Lawler of Rockland County, who blasted the decision. It's corruption at its finest. Uh, we had a ruling last year uh, that overturned uh, the Democrats' attempts to gerrymander New York's maps and violate the Constitution. And because they didn't like the outcome, uh, they decided that they would uh, do it once more. Are you open to discussing an extension with the Yankees, and what are your priorities when that time does come? My priorities right now is just uh, get to know the team, get to know the guys, really. About uh, any contact stuff, uh, they know who, where to call and who to talk to. Uh, I'm here just to play baseball and try to keep concentrated to play baseball. This year we're, we're honoring two people. 
We're honoring Ron Duguay, who I know is a good friend of yours. But who else? Who else you honor besides Ron Duguay? Who's the second guy? The second guy, it's very important that you show up because the second guy is going to be you. What? We're honoring, we're honoring Ron Duguay and Sid Rosenberg. No, you're not. Here. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Come, Stevie, stop, stop. You being serious? I'm telling you, we're announcing it right now, live. It's Ron and you, baby. Come on. Yep. For yep. real? Absolutely, because of your great support of the police, and we know that. Oh, my Everybody God. Everybody knows that. Oh, my God. And so this year, we're, uh, we're, we're honoring both of you guys. You're going to come, you know. It's going to be great. How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? Slowly walking down the hall, faster than a cannonball. Where were you while we were getting high? Someday you will find. Champagne supernova in the sky Someday you will find me Copping at the landslide In a champagne supernova A champagne supernova in the sky Champagne Supernova, some oasis for you. Dark and early, 6.09 on your hump day tunnel to towers. Wednesday morning with your favorite show in New York City. Quite frankly, a favorite show around the country. We are sitting friends in the morning. And now, including this show today, we are down to eight. Now <laughs> The countdown started Monday, down to eight. Three more shows this week, five shows coming up next week. And that's it until January 2nd of 2024. But we kicked it off this morning with Oasis and Champagne Supernova because of dinner last night. That's right. So we get home, Danielle and I, after a long day together in New York City. She met me in the city after the show. And we went down to Battery Park. My dear, dear friend, Paul DiGiacomo, who Lewis loves. He's a huge DiGiacomo fan. I love him. I think at one point you said you wanted him to be mayor. <laughs> Wouldn't bother me. He's no, a he's a great guy. guy. Smart guy, Very great smart guy. guy. And he runs the DEA, the Detectives Endowment Agency. And they had their annual holiday party down by Battery Park at a place called Battery Gardens. And it was great. So Danielle met me here, and we went down to the party, stayed for a couple of hours. There is a 
picture out there somewhere of me, DiGiacomo, and Mayor Eric Adams, because the mayor did show up. The mayor was very, very nice, could not have been nicer to me, could not have been nicer to Danielle. I didn't even post a picture. First of all, uh, it's clear that even though I don't dislike Eric Adams, I'm not Curtis Sliwa. Curtis hates him. I don't hate him. Not at all. In fact, I like Eric Adams. I don't think he's a very good mayor at all, but I like him. But I can't go through the blocking process and deleting process when I post a picture and have 9,000 idiots on my Instagram or Facebook page talking about the swagger man with no plan. When Curtis does it, I'm okay with it. When you guys do it, it annoys me. So I didn't even post a picture. It's fine. But it was uh, it was a great party. And we came home later in the afternoon yesterday, and we actually met Gabriel at the ferry. Gabe was just getting out of school the same exact time. So me, Danielle, and Gabe took the ferry home together. And we got back to the house, and uh, Danielle, being the great cook that she is, made chicken cutlets, which has to make Tommy DeVito very happy. Tommy Cutlets. I know his mother makes great chicken cutlets. So what? So does Danielle. (laughs) Danielle made chicken cutlets, and often at dinner when we sit down, we watch TV. But my family hates the news. They hate it. Too depressing. So we usually watch King of Queens. That is our dinner TV show. Kevin James, Leah Remini, King of Queens. The old reruns. We love that show. But last night, for some reason, Dan and Gabe were in a party mood. And so they went to the music which we often do as well, usually, you know, Yacht Talk Radio. But for some reason, Gaby wanted to hear Oasis. And he picked three songs, the one you just heard, Champagne Supernova, Wonderwall, and Don't Go Away. And that, Lewis, was our musical selection at the Rosenberg dinner, excuse me, in Rockaway last night. Well, if he... If I show him the tape of how they treat it in excess. Who? The, the Gallagher brothers? Yeah, the Gallagher brothers. Well, they do it in excess. Yeah. Well, Michael Hutchins presented them yeah. with the, a Grammy. Is that why Michael Hutchins killed himself? Uh, no. He, <laughs> he should have choked one of them first before he took his own life. Well, what happened there? Hey, they're going off the stage, and the two, you know, tool heads that they are, one of them, I think it was Noel, leaned into the microphone after Michael Hutchins says, so the great uh, the, uh, first record, I think it was Morning Glory, their record, their album, album of the year. Very good, for, yes. I think, I think that might have been. It was not long ago. And Noel Gallagher goes, uh, leans into the microphone. Uh, has-beens should never be giving awards to up-and-comers. And that's it. And he took That's what work. he said? Yeah, up, he put, his, put the Grammy up in there. And they walked off. And Michael oh Hutchins God. had already stopped talking. So the, oh, the, the cowards that they are, they didn't let him well, you know, look, didn't get to talk again. Don't confuse the issue. I know the Gallagher brothers are assholes. I know that. But that doesn't change the fact their music is great. I didn't, didn't not say right. that. It's like Michael Jackson was a pedophile. That doesn't change the fact he was probably the greatest entertainer in our lifetime. It's true. But it does affect how you look at celebrities. Oh, you're right. It, it, yeah. it, it definitely does. Well, how do you feel about the uh, the Robinson brothers, Black Crow? I mean, not Black Crow. Black, uh, the, uh, the, the Black Crow. Crows. Yeah, Black Crows, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just, 
Are they the uh, same thing as the Gallagher brothers? Nah, no. No. <laughs> They're not. They hate each other, too, though. The, uh, the Oasis and the Gallagher brothers have been banned by airlines. Is that airlines. right? Yes. I remember reading it in the middle of the, a couple of months ago. Well, you I know who else has been banned by airlines? Robert O'Neill, the, uh, the Navy SEAL who put a bullet right between the eyes of Osama oh, bin, Laden. Uh, bin Laden. He can't fly Delta anymore. He gets too drunk all the time. You Irish guys can't control your liquor. Oh, okay. Well, at least you're not painting with a big, broad brush. That's nice. You Irish guys. I'm just saying. Okay. It well, wasn't this... It wasn't Shlomo Glickstein that got banned from Delta forever. It was Rob O'Neill. Well, I've known a few Shlomos that can uh, can tide one on. Yeah, name so. one. I, I, I don't want to embarrass the guy right now. You know, my How Hebrew name happens to be Shlomo. <laughs> <laughs> You, yeah. you, you asked for it. I'm just giving you what uh, I fair know. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so uh, the reason why we also played Stephen Van Zant there again, talking about how at his big annual policeman's ball coming up in eight days next Thursday night, last year they honored my friend Frank Carone. This year they're honoring me and former Ranger great Ron Duguay. And uh, we played that because yesterday was a big police day for me and Danielle with the DEA. We've got another big night coming up in eight nights at the, what hotel is that? The Mandarin Hotel. You're going to that, too, you and MJ. Yeah, I, I believe so. Yes, you are. Okay. I made sure. Well, actually, Mike Sullivan, the great Mike Sullivan, Breezy, Brennan and Carr in Brooklyn, he's the guy pulling the strings to get you and MJ in next Thursday night. Thank so. you, Mike. Mike loves you. I love him. You do love him? Of course. Who do you love more, Mike Sullivan or Paul DeJocomo? I knew it. (laughs) 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 Who's coming in next? (laughs) So what's funny is one of the uh, the stories that we played, there were really three major stories. A, the redistricting, which could really hurt us Republicans, specifically, again, Mike Lawler, Rockland County, Mark Molinaro, upstate New York, and my friend Anthony D'Esposito on Long Island. Anthony will join us live coming up in about 30 minutes. That's a big deal today. So the uh, the Democrats are cheating again. That was one major story. The other is Zelensky with Biden yesterday. And I've been very, very consistent about this for months. Had many, many a fight with guys like Peter King. Enough Enough giving Ukraine money. Enough. I got to tell you, on a list of where I'd spend the U.S. money, at best, at best, Ukraine is third behind our own country. Mike Johnson made that point yesterday. And Israel, at best, Ukraine is third. Enough. But the first story was Biden and Netanyahu. And in the story, the reporter goes... That even though Israel, for the most part, has the global support, they're starting to lose it. And the reporter said it with some, I guess, surprise. Are you kidding me? We called this from the very, very, very beginning. We said it. As soon as Israel fights back and destroys these animals... Everybody around the world, because everybody hates the Jews, everybody, everybody around the world, including this punk-ass bitch, Joe Biden, is going to turn their backs on Israel. We said it two months ago, and it's here. It's been here. Biden has already asked time and time again for pauses and ceasefires. How many arguments have I had the last two months with people like Michael Goodwin? 
where I called Joe Biden, his administration, dating back to Barack Obama, complicit in these attacks because of the relationship the U.S. has formed outside of Donald Trump the last three administrations with Iran. How many times have I said it? Time and time again. What do you mean all of a sudden the world is turning on Israel? They were never with Israel. They said the right things for a couple of weeks. But the truth is, this was all too predictable. And the good news is, Netanyahu, he don't care. He's going to kill these son of a bitches. He's going to flood those tunnels. And as he said, I've said this too. It angers my daughter Ava. Sometimes it angers my wife. I've said it too. Stop telling me about innocent Palestinians. What did Netanyahu say last night? I am not going to allow people back in Gaza who finance and educate. What does educate mean? That means the little kids who you won't feel so badly for being taught in the second grade to hate and kill the Jews in the second grade. Stop telling me about innocent Palestinians. They may not exist. That's a fact. Netanyahu knows it. Sid Rosenberg knows it. And that's how Israel is going to fight this war. If hostages have to die, this sounds insensitive and brutal, and I'm sorry. If it was my son or my daughter, I'm sure I'd be saying something different. But it's not. And you do not, you do not govern a country based on 200 people when thousands and thousands and a whole race is at stake. You don't govern that way. So if the hostages have to die, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. It's called war. We're going to kill those people. There are no innocents. It is time to wipe them off the map. There will be no two-state solution. It ain't going to happen. We tried it for decades and decades. And time again, time again, the Palestinians have proven they can't do it. They're animals. They're absolute animals. So Netanyahu lowered the boom yesterday, even after Joe Biden came out and said, Israel's government needs to change. F you, Joe Biden. They're not going to do it. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> kind like of like you, Forrest Gump. I like how you stopped yourself right there. It's kind of like you slammed on the brakes. Boy, remember when Forrest Gump made the speech in the movie? Yes. And the uh, speaker system got turned off, so you never heard a word he said. And then right. he's like, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> no one heard a word of it. And then he saw Jenny. He saw Jenny out in the in the uh, by the water. I saw Jenny just walking by, and I was thinking, when I see her again. Yeah. Remember that scene? What a great scene. I think so. Lieutenant Dan was always watching. Oh, out the great Lieutenant. You talk about a great American. How about that guy in real oh, life? Oh, yes. What is his name? Oh, Gary uh, Sinise. Yeah, he's terrific. All right, so we're up and running. We uh, already have a lot of spitfire on this uh, program on a Wednesday morning. Our dear, dear buddy, Mr. Peerless Boilers, Mr. Tankless Water Heaters, the great Pete Morgan, live in studio this morning with a great guest list that includes Long Island House, Anthony D'Esposito, Curtis Sliwa, Rudy Giuliani, Arthur Idala, Peter King, John Cox, and Greg Kelly. It's a big Wednesday morning show. Sid and friends in the morning. Put your seatbelt on, folks. I'm ready to kick some major ass.
Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Side in excess, Lewis did mention Michael Hutchins. He was the lead singer of In Excess during that Oasis ran. You know what happened to, to Michael? This is a great band, and he's a terrific. He was a terrific singer, but he, um, in an effort to really bolster his orgasm, this moron hung himself in a closet and died. I mean, what a moron! You know, it's one thing Robin Williams actually killed himself. Or that guy that Bernie used to like who did the, um, you know, the food show on CNN on Sunday nights. That guy killed himself. This moron wanted to bolster his orgasm. Right. That actually suffocated. Right. You didn't, you just said he hung himself, but he was trying to hang himself. He's a moron. During the. Right. People say when you, when you cut off your air supply right before you You, orgasm, that it's doubly as good. Let's ask Pete Morgan. Pete, uh, you've done. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. No, once more you think of how Michael Hutchins died and how he's, you, go, you go in there with Sid and, yeah. and, and I don't think Pete Morgan that. has ever done anything like that. He's a pretty wild guy, Pete Morgan. Would you be? How shocked would you be if you heard something that Pete Morgan did? I would like, not be shocked. Yeah, I've been. I've known Pete Morgan. We've been really, really tight, honestly, for about twenty-five years. And he's a wonderful guy. He's a great, great uh, husband. One of the best human beings on ever. earth. His wife Maureen. He's got beautiful children. But he's a maniac. Don't confuse the issue. I've been out with the guy. He uh, he likes to have fun. But I don't think I don't think he'd ever hang himself. No, in no, it. no, not no. But no. Like... have you ever done that, Pete? Uh, hung myself? A, well, in, in an effort to bolster your orgasm. Well, not exactly. I've done other things, but <laughs> they will go undocumented here. By the way, it's freezing out this morning. Yeah. It's been very cold the last couple of days. Yeah. This is, uh, I would have to think, the best time of year to get that beast out of your basement and get yourself a nice peerless point or so. Is there a Christmas deal or something? No. No deals? No. Your best bet is to do it in the summer. You and I have only talked about this about seven, eight thousand. No, I know, but you're not here right now in the summer. I'm trying to bolster your sales right now in December. (laughs) Thank you. Want to come back in August? Come back in August. Bolster me. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Good morning, Pete. Yeah. And and, And by the way, you need something. What do you mean? You need a boiler. I do need a boiler, yes. I have water damage all the time. It's it's just uh, ridiculous. <laughs> it's Living hum- on the beach is very, very tough, bro. Yeah, no, no. It's 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 yeah, it's hard. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Water everywhere, man. Every <laughs> time it rains, I'm like scared to death my, my ceiling's gonna collapse. But I do need a new boiler, yes. Yeah, you need a new boiler, a new water heater. Well right? your guy came out there. What's his name? John Johnny Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, but you we need to arrange for the whole deal, and right, I know you guys were in the we're middle of re- rebuilding that house. I know beautiful house you have there. Yes, it is gorgeous. You love that neighborhood too. Yeah, it's really great. It is. We had a great lunch over there. We you did. Know. You know, we went for lunch. Yeah, last Where? year. 
Take a guess. Uh, Fine Mexican restaurant at 129th Street. 129th, you went to the... Uh, Pico. Yeah, Pico, okay. You yeah. know, on that same street right next door to Pico, my buddy John, thank you, uh, uh, Justin, my, my buddy John Mazzola, him and his son Joseph own La Sorrentina. You know that place. Uh, it's a great place. Italian restaurant. Yes. So right across the street next to Pico, on that same street, John and Joseph now opened yesterday. A sneaker store. Oh, I, yeah, I heard about the sneaker store opening. It looks great. We, we were inside, Danielle and I, last week, and uh, they got a beautiful selection of sneakers for all ages. So if you want to buy your kid or somebody sneakers for Christmas or the last two nights of Hanukkah, it's called the Sneaker Gallery. I'm going. He's a great guy, John. You are going to go? Yeah, I do. You need I sneakers? To, I, it could be a gift, yes. Absolutely could be a gift. I don't want to say too much more on the air. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's about enough of that. Yes. Just, I don't want to talk about my hanging uh, habits. <laughs> my feet. So here is, uh, going back to the discussion I was having with you guys in the first segment, the president, I hate this guy. I hate him. I, I, I have to be completely transparent. I hate him. I think he's a creep. He's not some nice old guy going through, God forbid, some type of cognitive issue. He's a corrupt creep. And everything this administration is doing now, we all predicted two months ago. Did we not, Pete? Absolutely. Thank you. Did we not say eventually Biden and the rest of the world would turn on Israel? It's been happening for weeks in the United States. But yesterday, I think it hit, it hit its head. And here's Biden yesterday talking about how he supports Israel. We have to worry about these Palestinians. Give me a break. Joe Biden, Lewis, cut number one. Well, I have had conversations with Bibi Netanyahu, and, uh, and uh, I want to make sure that uh, we don't forget uh, what we're doing here. We have to support I mean, Israel wait. because they're an independent nation that's being, I mean, the brutality, no. the inhumanity, the right. way in which... Sure. Hamas treated the Israelis. No, no, that's right. I mean, that's it. raping and burning. Right. And Keep going. I mean, Stop just, right here. Just beyond comparison. That's right. Beyond comparison. Right. But? And, uh, and what? To anything else that I've no. seen since I've been here and I've been for a long time. We know all this. Okay. But, but what, Jerkoff? What? What, Jerkoff? What? But what? Jerkoff. Shut up. Shut him off. But what? There's no buts. He just said all of it right there. I got it. He does sound pretty good. I no, he does. He sounds very energetic. <laughs> sounds like he'd definitely go another five or six years, uh, right? It's no question. No I mean, problem. Just a couple of pills and he'd be fine. I mean, play that and then play Trump on Saturday night at Cipriani's here on Wall Street with all that energy and laughing and making jokes at the same time, very salient points about our issues inside our country and out. It is night and day. I don't get it. But the good news is they showed a poll on MSNBC, which I've already shut off. But at the very beginning of the show, those two skanks, Joe and Mika, showed a poll, a national poll, which skews left, where today Donald Trump is at 36% and Joe Biden is at 31 And that's uh, one of many polls where our guy Donald Trump is uh, is surging. So you went to the Ranger game last night? I did. We lost. Yeah. We lost. Yeah. Well, what happened? You know, it was 2 nothing before you sat down. It was. And uh, Who played goalie last night? Igor. 
See, you know, yesterday, uh, Takapina going on and on about Shesterkin, the best goalie on the planet. He said that to you and I about a million times. Yes. I'm not convinced that's true yet. I'm not. You know, show me a cup. Show me unbelievable playoff play. He's been good, not great. And i got to tell you, so far this season, I think Jonathan Quick has been every bit as good. He's been better. In fact, yes. I think Igor's lost three straight now. Right. But uh, I thought they were going to pull him after the first period. It was 4-1. Why did they leave him in there? I was I was shocked. Yeah. And they left him in. And then before you know it, we're back in the game at 4-3. Joints jumping. Take a, we took a penalty. And then they, I think they scored 10 seconds into the power. Oh, play. boy. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And then. Because yesterday we were talking about uh, the, the cup for the Rangers. We still talking that today? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we were delusional. <laughs> we talk about it every year. I don't know. They look pretty good. But, you know, again, quick. Quick has been better than Shesterkin. He's been really good. Why really, are we really so good. quick to call Shesterkin? I mean, Takapina talks about him like he's Patrick Wah. He's, he's not. He, he's having a rough patch, but the guy's fantastic. But didn't he have a rough patch last year, too? Yes, he, yes, he did. Yes, he did. During the regular season. He had a rough patch. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so? But he was excellent in the playoffs. He was not excellent. He was good. Oh, excellent, Christ. excellent. No, this is this is what happens on the three-way text with these, these yeah, two no. guys. Because yeah, it's, because it's just not true. I mean, I remember watching like John Van Beesbrook when he lost to Wah. Okay, he was excellent. They couldn't win, but he stopped everything. He was excellent. Sturkin's good in the playoffs last year. He was not excellent. You think Henrik Lundqvist was excellent against the Kings when we lost the cup in 2015? I didn't. I thought he was really good. What do you, we really lost, good? I think every game was no, one no, against the Kings. Yeah, there were two. not not the Stanley Cup run. Oh, okay. Against the Kings specifically, you in thought Lundqvist was great. I thought he was great. There in were the two f- overtime losses in the, in the finals. finals. You're talking in the about. finals. Yeah, yeah. He I thought was he was good. good. He was I think good. he was great. He was he was, he was good. good. Oh. He made a lot of big stops. He, he right? did. He did. You see, for me, it's the same thing we talked about yesterday. Richter got in there, and we had Messier. Blah blah. He won the cup. If you get there and you're the best goaltender in the world, you win the cup. That's the bottom line. You win it. I don't want to hear you as great in a loss. Shesterkin, Lundqvist, give me some cups. I mean, come on, Billy Smith was not the best goaltender ever. He had an unbelievable team, but he won cups every year. Every year. They, I don't want to hear about great goaltenders. A, it's like quarterbacks who don't win Super Bowls. They had a great team, though. You just okay, said Okay, but so, the Rangers have a good enough teams to win cups. They, they the are. Rangers were better than the Kings in 2015. Right. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a series. Win That's the all. damn cup. Look at you. The Boston Bruins were supposed to win everything last year. If Were they not? They were, yes. Okay. Stop yelling at me. What happened there? Well, they had a rough series. Well, there you go. Okay. <laughs> they had a rough series against the bottom seed. But no one is talking about the Boston Bruins goaltender like we talk about Shesterkin and Lundqvist, like they created goaltending. Like they're the greatest ever. You don't even know People don't even know who the Boston Bruins goaltender is. Do they? They it was... rotate the two guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I just want to win a cup. That's it. I'm tired of it. Could be the year, bro. Yeah, I know. Joe's jacked up. He was jacked up last night, too, once he got the 4-3. Oh, you were talking to him last night? Yeah. And then what happened? We lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then he went back to studying for Trump. All right, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We've got a plethora of big-name guests, including my guy Anthony D'Esposito. He's coming up next. This redistricting could really 
hurt the Republicans, specifically guys like Mark Molinaro, Mike Lawler, and the aforementioned Anthony D'Esposito. He will join us next, but it is Wednesday. Time for my weekly Tunnel to Towers update. My main man, the CEO, Frank Siller. What a terrific guy. The season of hope is now in full swing, and the foundation is giving back in a big way. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation's fifth annual season of hope is underway. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's, Tunnel to Towers is paying off dozens of mortgages for the families of catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, as well as fallen first responder families and gold star families. The foundation knows how important it is to show gratitude and respect for America's brave heroes who put their lives on the line to keep us safe all year round. Heroes like Everett Washington police officer Daniel Roca. Officer Roca sustained fatal gunshot wounds while making an arrest in March of 2022. He's survived by his beautiful wife, Kelly, and sons, Thomas and Harrison. Thanks to supporters like you, the Roca family was able to breathe a sigh of relief as the burden of their mortgage was lifted in time for the holidays. Help families like the Rokas by donating just $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Do it at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. That's right, folks. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate just $11 a month. Do it today at T2T.org. Once again, that's T2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. Though the world's best built of boilers in hockey, the Rangers took a rare beating at home against Toronto Maple Leafs, falling convincingly by a score of 7-3 as their mini-skid here persists. Blake Wheeler scored twice, and Zibanejad had a power play goal for the Blue Shirts, who lost for the third time in four games. They're coming off a 4-1 home win over L.A. on Sunday night, following road losses at Ottawa and Washington. And goaltender Igor Shosturkin, as previously mentioned by the great Pete Morgan, has lost his last three starts in net for the Rangers. The Islanders and Devils will both be back on the ice tonight for respective 7.30 p.m. puck drops. The Islanders get set to welcome in the Anaheim Ducks, while the Devils are scheduled to host the Boston Bruins. On the hardwood at the Garden, no local action last night, but the Knicks and Nets are back at it tonight, both tipping off at 9 p.m. The Knicks will visit the Jazz in Salt Lake City, while the Nets will be in Phoenix, butting heads with the Sun. And finally, in the world of baseball, Juan Soto had his introductory news conference with the Yankees yesterday, greeting the media on a Zoom call, wearing a Yankees hat. He spoke about his excitement in getting this opportunity in New York, and was then asked if he'd be willing to commit to staying in pinstripes beyond just this season, deferring those type of discussions to the responsibilities of his representation in Super Agent Scott Boris. That was the message Soto did repeat throughout the 30-minute session. You got to talk to the man in the suit. He's looking forward to meeting his new teammates as well. Captain Aaron Judge, among others, has already reached out to him, expressing excitement in his future with the Yankees. Sports, sponsored again by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Handling legal matters is stressful. 
So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, says to me, you can leave us playing, it's Amy Lee's birthday, the lady singing right here, she's great, her name is Amy Lee. So she sings for a band named Evanescence. I go to Lou, I go, forget about Evanescence, she does this great duet with Seether, I forgot the name at the time, but I said the song is broken. And uh, Lou went and found the song. This is a great song, Seether and Amy Lee Broken. But you had some choice words for me, Lou. Well, you, I just, you get so obsessed over a couple of things. It's really, it still shocks me to this day. You're, you're, you're behind me, and I know how Justin feels. Like you're behind me like, no, 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 you just just go look for it. It's, it's called this. I, just search Amy Lee. And I'm sitting there. I know how to search for it. I yeah. find things every day. Right. But you, then, you were surprised I didn't even knew this. So. I did, like, how do you even know yeah, that's this, this great kind of song, music? Man. Yeah. And I just, you're really a sick individual. I am you're, sick. You're, yes, you're sick. Right. I am sick. Yes. You're crazy. Later on in the program, we're going to uh, play something that Boomer Esiason said about me on uh, his very highly rated, I must admit, Highly rated Boomer and Geo morning show on WFAN, where he was uh, incorrect. I like Boomer, though. I like Boomer. But he was incorrect. And uh, we'll play it later. And it looks like, you ready for this? The father of the talk of the town, winner of three straight as the starting quarterback of the New York football giants, Tommy DeVito, his father who works with boilers, a plumber, big-time guy in Cedar Grove, New Jersey, is going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour this morning. 
Oh, nice. Giants starting quarterback Tommy DeVito, who's now 3-1 and one as a starter and has won three straight. His father will join us in the 9 a.m. hour. Daddy Cutlets. Daddy Cutlets. I like that. All right, let me get to this guest. He's uh, become my favorite congressperson, although I do speak to Nancy Mace still every now and then and others. But I love Anthony D'Esposito, and I speak to Mike Lawler. But D'Esposito out of Long Island is my favorite, and we find out yesterday, looks like the Democrats are going to be successful in this gerrymandering, redistricting nonsense, which could really hurt Anthony, as well as the aforementioned Mike Lawler in Rockland County, Mark Molinaro, upstate New York. So here he is, the fine member of the House, Anthony D'Esposito. Anthony, good morning, pal. How are you? What's up, brother? How are you? How's everything going? Everything is going uh, fantastic. Could not be better, but uh, well, I shouldn't say that. This uh, redistricting thing seems to me to be unconstitutional. Clearly, clearly a political move by the Democrats to screw guys like you, my Republican friends. How do they get away with it, and is it basically done? Uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, listen, it, this is a continuation of the overreach of, of New York Democrats. We saw it begin with cashless bail and criminal justice reform, where... They want to overhaul our criminal justice system. But one thing that they forgot to do was actually talk to the men and women who are on the streets, you know, taking illegal firearms and dismantling gangs. They forgot to talk to them when they decided to change the laws and, and in, in, in the process, handcuff prosecutors. So that was number one. Then they went on and, and we saw recently over the last 18 months, they wanted to take away local uh, zoning from municipalities so that they can you know, build up communities into high rises. We've seen it with congestion pricing. I mean, it just goes on and on. And, and, and they realize that the, the pendulum is swinging. And even registered Democrats are sick of the progressive far left policies that you and I talk about every single day. Um, these people want safe communities. They want affordable communities. They want to be able to go to work in New York City and not have to worry about being thrown in front of a train. So the, the, the fact is, is that the Democrats can't beat us in the ballot box. So they're doing all they can to beat us in, in a courtroom. And, you know, Governor Hochul and, and uh, the, for the former governor have stacked the courts. And, and you know, we were ex- expecting this decision. And we'll see where it plays. I mean, for me personally, listen, when, when I went through the uh, before I was actually elected and uh, th- those, that seat was redrawn, my seat got worse than in, 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 in the redistricting. Um, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, they're saying that, you know, the, the maps now will be a bit more fair. Um, I don't see how somebody like me, I mean, Joe Biden won my seat by almost 16 points. I don't see how you make it much worse than that. And we beat, uh, you know, we beat our Democratic opponent uh, with, uh, with the seat that we're in now, and we'll beat them again. So in terms of what happens next, to see if this, in fact, does become official, this latest redistricting effort, what happens next? So, so now I believe the date that they gave was the, the maps had to be redrawn uh, by, the, by the commission by February 28th. And I'm assuming at that point, once we see the maps, um, and, de- and depending, you know, how ridiculous the Democrats throw them, because we all know that, you know, they, they can't do anything fairly. Uh, they're going to go way overboard and, and put themselves probably in a worse position than they did back in 21 and 2022. Uh, and then at that point, we'll, we'll attempt to uh, appeal it and uh, move forward through the court proceedings. And you do feel confident that if you attempt to appeal it, you can win that? I'm not confident in anything. What I am confident in is that uh, I will win these seats and we have a, a good conference 
uh, from New York. We have quality candidates. And that's what this is about. It's about having good candidates, regular people, people that are fighting for New York. And the Republicans are on the right side of every issue. Voters are smart. They see how ridiculous this gerrymandering is. And that's why we're winning in blue states, because they screwed them up so badly. You know, talking about Republicans on the right side of every issue, and you're not going to get mad because you and I become very, very close, and I've said on air many, many times, it's a big deal, that you're my favorite House member. But the the longer George Santos has gone, the more I like him. And he actually called me a couple of days ago. We were joking around about the cameo stuff, and he actually saw Lauren Boebert after I did Saturday night at that big event with Trump at Cipriani's. And again, you know, all this stuff that he did, uh, I don't know exactly what he did. Nobody really does. It doesn't sound great. But I'm worried about politics. And he voted for America every time. He voted for Israel every time. And I know that Joe Cairo and Peter King and you and all the guys out there on Long Island are going to get a great candidate and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know if you're going to beat Tom Swazi. And if we lose that seat because we ousted George Santos, I'm going to be pissed. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be pissed. Do you find yourself as angry with George Santos today as you were when you guys specifically on Long Island started this effort to expel him? Sid, I, you know, I, I said from day one, the, the issues that I had with George Santos, they were never personal. This was about the, the, the fact are that if, if, if Republicans especially, if we're going to be the party of election integrity and we're going to hold others accountable or we're going to call out others and, and try to hold them accountable, we need to also police our own. And I truly believe that the longer that uh, Santos stayed in office, the more of, a, of an issue that he would have played for the rest of the Republicans, uh, not only in New York, but in the tri-state area. There it is, Anthony D'Esposito on George Santos. So when we spoke last week, uh, I think you were uh, looking to impeach Mayorkas, who not only should be impeached, but to be honest, what he's done at the border, which I believe Mike Johnson is right I would put Ukraine third or fourth. Israel should get money before Ukraine. And honestly, our own country should get the money for the border first. Mike Johnson is right. What Mayorkas has done has been a crime above and beyond impeachment. But I'll take impeachment for starters. Where are we in that process? So the the Homeland Security Committee, which is uh, one of the committees that I sit on, we've gone through. uh, Now we're in the fifth phase of the process, conducting an investigation as to exactly why Secretary Mayorkas has been derelict in his duties and why he should be impeached. I mean, most re- the numbers are insane. I mean, you got probably over 5.4 million illegal border crossings. You got 1.5 million gotaways. You got people that have come into this country that are on the known terror watch list. We don't know where they are, what they're doing. And you talk to Mayorkas, and every time we have him in front of the committee, he does his best to squirm out of answering the real questions. And I, I stand with Speaker Johnson. You know he was, he was in Nassau County just a couple of weeks ago. We need to secure our border before we continue to send money uh, elsewhere. We need to make sure that this border is secure because literally our national security is at stake. I know you tend to agree with Peter King, which is not a bad thing. I love Peter. He's a brilliant guy. You tend to agree with him on just about everything. But he and I have had some legendary fights on this show because I wanted to stop giving Ukraine money a long time ago. And I still feel that way. I feel more stronger about it now than ever. When I see Biden overnight basically sticking it to Israel, saying, ah, you guys aren't doing the right thing, you know, you're bombing too much, and then basically making out with Zelensky, oh, what do you need, baby, $61 billion? I'll get it for you. He ain't going to get it. But the point is, I'm sick and tired of giving the Ukraine money. 
I'm sorry I was that way months ago. Do you still feel as strongly as maybe you did months and months ago continuing to give money towards a war that, quite frankly, is never going to end, ever? I don't. And, I, and you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to say when, I, when I've uh, swayed a little bit in, in my decision-making, I think that... Um, is, that because, is that because of me? Did, did I, I hope I changed your mind. I hope it was me. It's, everything <laughs> is because of you, Sid. You know that. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, listen, when, when, you, when you look at the facts and, and you read through everything, I mean, first of all, we need to protect our allies, without a doubt. We need to make sure that Russia and Putin aren't making moves that are going to uh, put us in, in harm's way. Um, but we need to know where that money is being spent and what it's being spent on. It cannot be an open-ended checkbook. And, and, I mean, yesterday, I think it was, or last night, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but Biden said something to the effect that, well, you know, Israel should change their government. Well, we we agree we should change our president. But, you know, I mean, the fa- the facts are we need to defend our, our allies. And right now, uh, with the situation that's going on, we are literally trying to help Israel dismantle a terrorist organization that's what we need to be focused on. And before that, we need to be focused on our southern border. Could not agree more. This is why I love Anthony D'Esposito. So one more, talking about Biden. Uh, again, I keep hearing you've got, you have the votes, you have the votes. Mike Johnson seems determined to get it done. The impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden, where are we with that? Well, it's going to the floor, and, and I believe the, the speaker has the, uh, the votes. And listen, like I've explained to the press recently, you know, I've gotten threats. You, you run in a Biden district. If you vote for this, there's no way you'll ever win again. There's been over well over 90, 90 impeachment inquiries that have come through the House of Representatives. And clearly from our history, all 90 something of those individuals weren't impeached. This is an opportunity for the members of the House who do not sit on the committees of jurisdiction, the Ways and Means Committee, the Judiciary um, and oversight to get the information that those members have been uh, gathering during their investigation so that we can understand what's going on and make a decision moving forward. I mean, we've heard all of all of the, the, the items that they've collected, whether it's the checks, whether it's the payments, whether it's the involvement in, uh, in overseas affairs. I mean, so let's get the information. Let us, uh, those that don't sit on those committees, let's get the information and let's move forward. Listen, Mike Johnson thus far, since he's, he started, you, you know, me and you disagreed a little bit, but, you know, when we were electing him, we wanted to make sure that uh, Mike Johnson or whoever the speaker was knew that New York and Long Island was important. He's been there for us. I mean, just yesterday, I don't know if you read it, but I mean, myself, Garbarino, and Melota were able to get uh, into the NDAA another $676 million for the 9-11 health program. This is something that Peter King worked on, you know, the last uh, years of his career, and we were able to get it across the finish line. And that was one of the items that we told Speaker Johnson that was a must if, we, if he wanted our support to be Speaker. So, you know, he, he has, uh, he's been right thus far, so we'll see how it goes. Anthony, as always, not a good job, a great job. Thanks so much for getting up early. You might know you're up early, but hopping on early on this Wednesday morning. Terrific conversation. You're the best, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. My man, Anthony D'Esposito right there from the – the House, talking about everything from redistricting to uh, the impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden to Mayorkas, all great stuff. Thank you, Anthony D'Esposito. That wraps up our number one. We come back with a very exciting hour number two. That includes Curtis Sliwa running for mayor and America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Seven o'clock hour, about to come your way on a Wednesday.
This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. So we had a caller earlier who said that there is an a commercial on the Giants pregame and maybe the Giants postgame as well, where Tommy DeVito's father is reading it. And I had not heard this commercial, so we we're able to uh, find it, courtesy of Bob Gelb, who sent it to us. So uh, let's listen to Mister Big Tom DeVito reading a commercial here for the Giants Radio Network on WFAN. I'm Tom DeVito, dad of Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito. Football season is the perfect time to replace that beast in your basement and save on your heating bill with a new Peerless Boiler. I've installed Peerless Boilers throughout my career, and they're the best choice for all your heating needs. Take it from me, Tom DeVito of DeVito Plumbing, and visit PeerlessBoilers.com for a dealer near you. Remember, Peerless Boilers the world's best-built boilers. People ask me all the time, are Peerless Boilers really the best? My answer, forget about it. Oh, my God. You know who he Burger. replaced? What's that? You know who he replaced with that read? No. You know who was doing the read before that? No. Sid Rosenberg. Spectacular! He was doing that read on the Giants Radio Network? Yeah. Really? 25 yeah. years, moron. Jeez. So he got, he got replaced by Tommy DeVito. That's Dad. not true. Tom DeVito. All right, that's good stuff right there. That is Boomer and Science and Boomer and Geo, the very popular morning show with WFAN here in New York. And, uh, well, two things. First of all, that guy that read that peerless spoiler spot, the father of the Giants quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who's now won three straight, he's going to join me, Mr. Tom DeVito, coming up at 9.15 this morning. And secondly, while Boomer was right, I guess, on that read, it was DeVito and not me, I've actually held that gig as Mr. Peerless Boilers on Giant Games, I believe, for 25 years now. Much of the chagrin of one Bob Gelb, uh, as well as the Rangers and the Bruins and the Patriots. And I've got Mr. Peerless Boiler sitting right here in studio to my left, Pete Morgan. Can you confirm or deny that DeVito's father has, according to Boomer Esiason, replaced me as the voice of Peerless Boilers on the Giants? He has not replaced you? There you go. He's displaced you just temporarily. Just temporarily. Yeah. And then when Tommy loses next week... Oh, no. He's going to win next week. But if he loses, it's back to me, right? No. No? No. So he has the rest of the season? Well, we'll win see. Win or lose? We'll see. Oh, I think Boomer's right. I think Tom. I think you have replaced me, you son of a bitch. Tom DeVito. Look at this. What a guy. You're going to love him. Oh, that's fine. But what a lack of respect. What are you talking about? Respect? Now I know what Curtis is feeling this morning, number 16 on the Barrett News midday list. Hold on. Hold on. Before we get to that, <laughs> you're going to have this guy's father on. You tell him, what kind of father are you? You kicked this guy out of the house, this Mama Luke. This guy tells you, I like to stay at home because He's my one mother makes three my straight. dad and cooks me chicken cutlets. So what? He's winning every week. Oh, so as long as he wins, right? Yes. But no, no, no. What do you care about? You're the quarterback of the Giants. I don't care if your mother continues to breastfeed you. you got to win games. What, what a Mama Luke. <laughs> and you, Mr. Peerless Boilers. What? You should be ashamed, right? Uh-oh. Sid's been loyal to you through thick and thin. All of a sudden, this guy that nobody knew He's before yeah. is elevated. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going with him right now. Hey, Sid, you're on the bench. Collect some uh-huh. sprinters. Curtis has a point. Long, far and wide to find somebody who's been more loyal to Sid That's true. than me. That's true. But here, and uh, that is very true, trust me, you guys don't even know half the stuff Peter's done. Wait, 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 Pete. Hold including on, buying bagels this morning. But in this case, <laughs> Curtis on, has a point. Hold on a second. You uh, two Ranger fans, right? You mentioned every goalie under the sun. 
the greatest of all time, 268 oh, here stitches. Here I know it. And the you know gumper. why? You know why the Gumper? Because he wore no mask. No, because the Gump was asked the question when there were only six teams, right? Montreal, Toronto, Detroit, Boston, Chicago, New York. The uh, scribes asked him. I remember reading it in Hockey News. Well, which team gives you the hardest time? He said the New York Rangers. I said, Gump, you played for the New York Rangers. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they give me the hardest time. That's, that's a funny story. That's a funny story. Yeah. Time. So I did introduce you by saying, first of all, Curtis, of course, noon to one gets great ratings every weekday. The ripping weed. You got to listen to that show. Oh, you never know that, according to Barrett News. Your well, friend, we get to that, that in a Pete, second. Pete, you are the one responsible. <laughs> no, for no, he's not. Sid, you Sid, did it. you look at you? You're number two in the Barrett News ratings as the number two program across the nation well, in the morning. Let me, let me tell you what happened there. I'm really not number two. I'm really number one. Because according to our friend Renee here at the station, how this thing works is is that Jason Barrett and Barrett News Media reaches out to the stations. There's an actual vote that goes on here. People in the industry actually vote for this. That's how respected I am. But it turns out that WABC was never asked to vote. So I would have had John Katzmatidis vote, I hope, Chad Lopez's oh, vote. Oh, so I, I came see, in I second see, without I any see, home cooking. I see. You didn't, you even, came in you si- didn't even know about this poll <laughs> until didn't. Pete told you. That's true. Pete told me about it. So the fix was in, no doubt, Pete. Yeah. You made sure you spread the scattle around hey, the 54 holy. voters. There's 54 voters. And I know most of them. And I'm telling you, yesterday, the embarrassment that John Katzmatidis is walking through the hallway after he finished the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, and he looks at me and he goes, you're only 16? Yeah, he I, said that? I said, I wish I was 16 again. He said, no, no, in your radio. Wait, wait a second. You're telling me John Katzmatidis, yes. our man, our leader, I love him like a dad, he actually said, he knew you finished 16? Yes, yes. This is very embarrassing. And then he scrolled on his uh, iPhone. Yeah. And he said, oh, look. Greg Kelly was number five. Oh, my. I said, what are you, crazy? <laughs> Me, 16, 35 years? And then I looked, who are the people that were casting the ballots? And they should have recused themselves. And you know this to be a fact, Sid. Cumulus and Salem. Cumulus, I bash every day on this show and my show, and I talk about how they single Hold on a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. You do bash Cumulus all the time. They try to destroy WABC. Okay, but I'm the guy that actually got not one but two unpaid suspensions from Mary and Cumulus, and I still finished number oh, two. Oh, excuse me, huh? but you don't bash Salem the way I do. <laughs> no, well, well, is Phil, what's his name with Salem? Oh, Phil, what's Phil name Boyce. Boyce? Oh, Boyce, that's oh, I right. I the hell out of Phil Boyce all the time. Not as much as I do. I said all I right, wasted four right. years of my life over there. Nobody ever listened to me. I did AM drive and PM drive. And the only person who actually listened to me was Rich Valdez, who now has a national talk show. Fine. He replaced Jim Bohannon. And the only reason he heard me, he goes, I live right next to the tower. It was the only station <laughs> I could get. So those two should have recused themselves. I'm listed 16th. And let me give you the criteria here. Right? Let me hear this, yeah. Barrett News, Jason Barrett, the fix is in. Oh, they judge it based on the quality of the show. They give it an ear test. Originality, ability to entertain, inform, and connect across multiple platforms and social networking. 
Nobody has better social networking than me. Nobody breaks more news than me. That's Originality? True. Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, Just I, the no. other day. And, hey, look, wrong way Lou Rafino and Justin Ellick would have to <laughs> attest to this. Within the rip and read, I told stories about John Lennon that nobody knew before and Jim Morrison of the Doors. What do you ever hear that on talk radio? That's what you hear on FM. Freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and that mama Lou Frank Morano. Oh, God. I am so oh, my. God. Well, what are we going to do about this? How do we get a change? You're going to have to bring this guy in, and I'm going to give him a beat down on the air. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> I mean, you tell me the fix ain't in. No, it is. Clearly. Come on. Clearly the fix is in because 16 is way too low for you, and quite frankly, number two is one too low for me. Bill Handel, I mean, give me a break. I don't think Bill Handel was sitting next to Donald Trump on Saturday night. No. What if Bill, Bill Handel's been a Fox News what, what if Bill Handel give Jason Barrett a hand job? Oh, handy. <laughs> I mean, come on. Handy. That's why they call him Bill Handel. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, hey, right. You started. Oh, no, no, oh, no. You, oh, Mr. Oh. Peerless Boy, Did, you brought this I, to Sid's attention. I didn't call you and say... Jesus, Curtis, you're only 16th for Christ's sake. The embarrassment of John Katzmatidis looking oh, at me and saying, so bad. Wow, you're only yeah. 16. How did he know that? How did John know because that? Because he had it right on his cell oh, phone. Oh, my, yeah. this is getting yeah. worse. And then he's scrolling through, and oh. I'm looking. Greg Kelly, number yeah. five? Yeah. Really? Well, yeah. this is, uh, we're moving uh, every bit closer to Steve Bannon, noon to one. Greg Kelly, one to three. Oh, Steve Bannon. And Curtis going by back the to way, 790 the, the answer. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I met a whole bunch of people at the Queens Village Republican Club last night. It was a Christmas party out there in northeast Queens near Creedmoor, you know, the place where oh, China yeah. shut down for the illegal aliens. And they told me that Steve Bannon, they were there at Cipriani's. Steve Bannon was wearing an army jacket. That is correct, You yes. said everybody had to wear a tux. That's what I was told. Oh, so he gets special consideration, uh, listen, huh? you, you, you of all people with your red satin jacket and your red beret should be the last to talk. That guy, Steve Bannon, belongs <laughs> exactly. in jail. He took millions to finish the wall. Uh, that's hey, true. Bannon, where's that's the okay. money? He's where's one the, of the rest great, of the wall? He's one of the great minds ever now. So being that you're on a roll this morning, mad at Pete, mad at me, mad at Jason Barrett, mad at Steve Bannon, mad at the world, I showed you something off the air, which I did not post. I did not post. And that was, I was at yesterday's Paul DiGiacomo's oh, DEA holiday party, and I've got a really lovely picture of Paul DiGiacomo, me, and right in the middle, your friend, Mayor Eric Adams. You know, I don't know how you get beyond the days where if you had the DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, no, 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 coming to your door. This was Detectives Endowment I know, but agency. you must have had nightmares at one time in your life. Well, the first time I heard the DA guy was coming on, I thought it was a drug enforcement agency. And you were hiding. You yeah, were but, hiding. But, but you See claimed... if they had a retainer for you from years <laughs> past. <laughs> because I took the picture with the mayor, which I did not post, because I don't oh, want to get $9 million swag No, 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 put it up. Put it up. I don't up. want to. Come you're, on. You're sick fans. That's are, your they friend. annoy me. You, you keep saying it's your friend. You really like Eric. What? I like Eric Adams. <laughs> he's trying to destroy the city. That's what he's doing. So you feel like I've cheated on you, don't Damn you? Damn yes. right. Really? You treat me like I'm the Guman. <laughs> well. You know, you style and profile all of a sudden in front of the DEA with Eric Adams. But Curtis, I'm a little pisher. I'm a little schmendrick. I'm like the Guman on the side that you won't bring home to mommy. You won't bring uh, bring home to mommy up there in Sullivan County, right? Have I ever visited your mother up in Sullivan oh, County? Oh, no. my mother loves you. Yeah, but still, you she treat loves me you. like a gumada here. Well, that's true. To a certain extent, that's true. But wherever I go, I say nice things about you. 
Nobody wants to hear it, i got to be honest. They're like, oh, my God, he's crazy. But I still maintain, and I mean this sincerely, and I'll say this to Eric Adams right to his face, that you should be the next mayor here in New York. You're damn I right. really believe that. And who warned you about Eric Adams? Who warned everybody Pete out there? Pete told me you were number 16. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> he was destroyed. Oh, and by the way, I see you having the butt boy on for Eric Adams and Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I. Hey, Andrew, ascendabe, tus you prolionos fachines. And like your father, you are, oh, he's going to come out to right now. Oh, courtesy lying, courtesy is like, well, let me tell you the true facts. A deal was made at Junior's, you know, Junior's down on Flatbush Avenue, mm-hmm. over an entire cake, a cheesecake, in which all of a sudden the former Kings County corrupt chief, uh, oh man, Frank Sedio. He ate almost the whole cheesecake. Oh, these are lies now. He, he ate almost <laughs> yeah. the whole cheesecake. Uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo had just a little slice. He says, I gotta watch my weight. Uh, I'm running for mayor of the city of New York. They made it. This is the deal. And Arthur Idala knows this already. It's a quid pro quo. If Eric Adams goes to the big house in chains and shackles, and it's looking ever more possible because of turkey, turkey, turkey. The deal is that Andrew would run in a special election, and if elected, he would keep the entire Eric Adams staff until the next election, which is 2025. That's the deal. Well, they you, shook you, hands you, on it. Sedio and Andrew Evil Right. Well, Cuomo. you told me about this deal yesterday, and I said to you, I believe you. And I believe it's true. And then late yesterday afternoon, uh, the aforementioned Arthur Idala had, I believe, a 45-minute-long phone conversation with the aforementioned Andrew Cuomo, and their contention is, you're a liar. Oh, excuse huh? me, who lied about the deaths in the long-term nursing home care units? His Maytag, Melissa DeRosa, we have to lie, we have to cover it up, because the Attorney General of the United States would prosecute us for lying. Who's the bigger liar, right? You want to call me a liar? My lies didn't lead to anybody dying, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, and butt boy Arthur Idala. <laughs> and then you have on D'Esposito, oh, D'Esposito, we're the party that's right on everything, right on everything. Your position on abortion is going to lead you potentially to use lose your seat, the Esposito, and every other Republican seat. What is your position on abortion? Tell that to women. I, I believe his position is doggy. That's how they got there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but seriously, are the Republicans are on the right side of every issue. Really? Why don't you say what your position is on abortion? How come every time you ask a Republican, it's a hummer, a hummer, a hummer, a hummer? It's like Ralph crammed in the honeymooners. Secondly, this entire sacking of George Santos at this time. Do you know when the special election is? February 13th. That's the 45th anniversary of the Guardian Angels. Do you know when the primary is to run for re-election again in that district? In June. This is just a grab for money for the consultants. Each side is going to raise about $20 million. As we speak, there is Peter King. He is sitting there with with Cairo at King Umberto's at Meekum Avenue in Elmont where they have a menu item named after Cairo called Veal Scallopini a la Cairo. So what you do is you order that as a consultant and then you slip the money and say, hire me as the consultant. The Republicans will raise $20 million. 
The Swazi people, Jacob Salida out there, they'll all be fat on this money. And then they do the same thing all over again in June. Are you kidding? February to June, you couldn't keep Santos? How ridiculous. Admit it, Republicans and Democrats. This is all about raising $20 million apiece, fattening up your consultants, and getting kickbacks. That's what it is. You say contract, and Pete, a peerless boiler, I say show me where the money goes and who's getting the kickbacks because this was absolutely ridiculous and was done only so the Democrats could make money and the Republicans could make money. You're all udisgrazian. Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Oasis, don't go away, 7.38 on your Wednesday morning. Curtis was great this morning. So was Anthony D'Esposito. Still lots more to come on this program today, which includes Arthur Idala, Rudy Giuliani, Peter King. I'm going to talk to Greg Kelly and the father of the New York football giant quarterback who's now won three straight, Tommy DeVito, his father, Tom DeVito, will join us uh, today as well. But my next guest in studio is a very, very important guy. He is the chief executive officer of the UJA Federation here in New York, former attorney, now been the CEO for these uh, people for about 10 years, and his name is Eric Goldstein. Eric, good morning, pal. Nice to meet you. Good morning, good morning. Thanks for having me. Turns out my godson and my nephew, one of my favorite people in the world, Evan Wagowski, has worked with you in the past. Evan is working with UJA, too. I know you know that, so uh, he loves you, so I just wanted to throw that out to you. I know you love Evan, too. So, uh, Let me get to uh, what you guys are doing with, um, with uh, UJA. First of all, uh, you went there about 10 years ago. Before October 7th, what was UJA doing on a daily basis? Look, UJA for decades has been supporting the most vulnerable in New York, Jews, people of all backgrounds, and we've been supporting Israel even before it was a state. Uh, going back to 1939 when we started, we've given billions, billions of dollars to UJA, uh, to Israel since it started. Uh, but October 7 is a clear line of demarcation. It's before October 7, yeah. and it's October 7, right. and the situation there now is incredibly tragic. Uh, yeah. You have hundreds of thousands of people displaced from their homes. 
This is a country in deep trauma. I was there on October 7 in Israel and Jerusalem. I've been there twice since wow. October 7. And you go north and south of Israel uh, and you see a suffering people. Uh, you know, the whole promise of Israel is that Jews don't hide. Uh, you know, you have to be proud. You have an invincible military. And now you have a lot of people who are fearful. Mm-hmm. And we need to do what we need to do to root out Hamas so that this country can live uh, safely and securely. Not just uh, in Israel, but I tell this story all the time. Uh, not long after October 7th, me and Curtis actually held a rally. We helped. We didn't start it, but we were invited guests at uh, Cooper Union right after the NYU Jewish students were forced inside a library and scared to come out. And I saw a guy that I'd known for years on the Upper West Side, and he said, my son doesn't want to wear his yarmulke. So when I made this speech that day in front of Cooper Union, I made it my business to say, if you're Jewish, you wear that damn yarmulke. You wear your tzitzis. In fact, somebody put a yarmulke on me. I don't wear one ordinarily. They put it on me just to show the last thing you do as a Jew is do that, because honestly, the terrorists, Hamas, would rather have that than a dead body in the streets. No question. Look, I think that October 7 has taken a lot of people who even on the sidelines of Jewish life and made them understand this affects us all. And unless we're in this together, uh, the challenges are, are too great. So we have people for the first time putting on yarmulkes, proudly wearing, you know, my game, David, Stars of David. On the other hand, we have people, students on campuses particularly, yeah, yeah. who are feeling scared sick, to death. Scared well, to well, death. Well, well, what do you guys uh, do about that? Is How does UJA help temper some of that uh, fear? So for, for decades and decades and decades, we've been the largest funders of uh, on college campuses of Hillel's, which are anchors of Jewish life, uh, where 50 to 60 percent of the budgets of many of the Hillel's on the CUNY campuses in New York since October 7, we've provided significant additional funding to allow them to be more publicly out there, to have community organizers. We've hired lawyers through the Brandeis Center so that students, faculty, administrators know their rights and that we have the ability to help our students on campuses, which have become sort of the, the, the a war, a different yes. kind of war than, yes. than it's true. in the Middle East, it's true. but a war. Yes. And you're seeing And the media, like, too. The media, who I have labeled uh, just yesterday, I said it again, the media are domestic terrorists at this point. That's all they are. Look, we have a lot of challenges on a lot of fronts, uh, and we need to address them all. On campuses, we need to have uh, faculties, uh, administrators, being very, very vocal and saying, here's what's permitted, here's what's not, and enforcing the rules very clearly, equally, but very clearly. Later on tonight, I've been bestowed the honor for the third consecutive year by my boss and owner, John and Margot Katsimatidis. I love this. I'm going to light the world's biggest menorah right outside the Plaza Hotel on Fifth Avenue. I hope you're going to be there tonight, I Eric. I'll be there. I've lit oh, before. Good. Oh, good. So we've got that coming up tonight. And, and I say this not because I think I'm a tough guy, because I'm not. I'm a nice Brooklyn Jewish kid. i got a beautiful wife and two kids. I only hope that somebody shows up there tonight, says something to me, because I'll lay them out right in front of 3,000 people. Let me give a, a plug to the NYPD. They have been incredibly yeah. uh, good in monitoring, tracking, policing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there were demonstrations in May 2021 where there were lots of, uh, uh, you know, attacks on Jews in the wake of uh, demonstrations now. They have been really, really good. We're grateful to them, the mayor, the commissioner, for doing what they're doing. Yeah, both uh, both at the party yesterday, Eric Adams and Eddie Caban and Michael Kemper 
who was the most decorated Jewish officer ever. He actually is in charge of transit and the subways. He's a terrific guy, and he does a very good job, too. So on the way out, once again, Eric Goldstein, the chief executive officer of the very, very terrific UJA Federation here in New York. You hear the commercials all the time, especially during my show, and I love them. Uh, in terms of the response from the federal government, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, I can't stand Joe Biden. I think he's full of it. He's not pro-Israel. Yeah, maybe he's better than Barack Obama. That's like saying I'd rather have uh, herpes and AIDS. I mean, give me a break. He has been brutal, pauses and ceasefires. And now he's basically telling the Israeli government that you're bad. They need to change the government. You need to stop. People are dying. What do you think was going to happen after what they did on October the 7th? How does UJA feel about the federal response coming from Washington, D.C.? Look, we are non-political. We need to be. We focus on helping people in need and helping Jews in Israel. I have to tell you, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but uh, Joe Biden's initial support for Israel was really important. Well, 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 tell me why. Because he went on TV and he said, I love Israel? Two aircraft he's been carriers in with, and related but, but assets. But he's, he's been in bed with Iran for eight years. Who cares about what he says on TV? Look, I can tell you, let's... I also hope that there's now a movement to get the $305 million to become a billion dollars in nonprofit security grants to help save institutions and protect them, critically important. Closer to home, one of the more heartening parts of this is Jews and non-Jews alike are coming together to support Israel in ways like, unlike in my lifetime, and with enormous uh, community. We have raised $150 million from the New York community uh, to support Israel, we've already sent out $50 million in essential needs, you know, hospitals, first responders, helping people who are displaced from their homes south and north of Israel, uh, and we're going to continue to continue. You're seeing in this moment the coming together of the community. That is unbelievable. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and for you. folks, before I get to Rudy Giuliani, for folks who want to donate today, how do they do that, Eric? You go on UJ Federation website, the www.ujfedny.org, uh, and there's a donate page, but we're grateful for the incredible support of the community in New York. You are a mensch, and uh, as my grandma would say in Yiddish, a gitz and a shimmer, which means a very, very good soul. I mean that. You're a terrific guy. God bless you for what you're doing for Israel, for Jews here in the United States, and I'm proud to sit with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Eric Goldstein, the chief executive officer of the UJA Federation of New York. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The greatest mayor oh, of all time. I got enough Rudy of that last Giuliani. night. My, my head is going to get too big. Sid and me, honorable mentions by uh, the former president and soon to be president of the United States last night. The president mentioned me, me a number of times. Very, very nice about being such a very good mayor, he said. And, and then he mentioned Sid a couple of times. I could be indictment-proof right now, you know? I don't think they can do it, Sid. I don't think they can do it. But they stopped it. They heard about it. I think they sent their biggest people. Don't do it! Local DAs, all controlled by the White House. And they think that the threat to democracy... And that's what it is. It's a hoax. It's a new... We call it now the threat to democracy hoax. <laughs> that's what it is. These guys are so good with misinformation, disinformation. It's a slight difference, you know. You know that, Sid, right? There is a slight difference. If you want, we can talk about it, but let's not bore the audience.
Rudy Giuliani, and you know, it was so great to hear the president. I mean, he singled out a bunch of people. You heard the audio there back at Cipriani's on Saturday night. Gavin Wax, the New York Young Republican Club, he pointed at me twice. And Andrew Giuliani and Matt Gates and a lot of Steve Bannon mentions. But a lot of mentions, a lot, for my guy Rudy, who deserved every one, the greatest mayor in the history of not just this city but the country. He was a good man and a really good radio show, 3 o'clock on this station every weekday afternoon. So, Rudy, as the president kept mentioning you, all I kept thinking about was all these lying liberal networks that say that uh, you and the president don't get along and he raises money for you, but he does it begrudgingly. Clearly, that's not the case. No, of course it's not the case. And, you know, it's the product, and there's a lot of that, you know. It's the product, again, of the left-wing media. They, they create problems within. Because it's, I have to hate to say it, but I mean it's part of the Marxist playbook. Uh, separate your enemy, and uh, they do that constantly. Uh, they used to do it in the Bush administration, but they're constantly creating. I remember when Steve Bannon was in there. Every day they were doing a, a fight between him and Steve, and I, I after a while I got worried. I said, "Are you fighting?" <laughs> they started laughing at me. Uh, when I was his lawyer, you can't believe the things they made up. They had him throwing stuff at a woman in a room who was eight blocks away on a telephone uh, uh, going over uh, questions and answers with us. Uh, she wasn't even, there wasn't even a single woman in the room. There were four men. And the, and the president lost his temper and he threw papers at Jane. A totally made up story. So, you know, you, you learn to live with it. We, uh, we've never had a moment of being separated. We've spent time, a lot of time together, a lot of time apart. Just by nature of things, when things are going on. But right now, I probably talk to him twice a week. I uh, see him every two weeks, three weeks, um, and have a very, I mean, as close as ever. Oh, I heard it. I saw it. I mean, if you were sitting there Saturday night, uh, no one provoked him to do it, and he did it. I got to tell you, folks. Three or four times, he, you know, he would bring up Rudy. Then he, hey, Matt Gay, take Steve Bannon. Then he would talk about his campaign. Then he'd go back to Rudy, and he would do it. Uh, like I said, he must have done it three or four times. And before I get to your day in Georgia yesterday, which is ridiculous, I do want to say that I've seen him speak a million times, obviously, but watching him live for those 65 minutes, Rudy, on Saturday night, I just got the impression this guy is so confident he's able to joke all the Biden impressions, even the jokes about uh, the guy from North Korea. But at the same time, he's delivering a really important message for folks here and folks abroad. He is so ready to do this again. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday night. Yeah, he's on. He's really on. You know, I, I've watched him now since uh, 2016. I spent five week, months with him in 2016. I listened to the beginning of that speech when he first gave it. Uh, it's obviously a very different speech now. But he's, uh, he's in the command now. And, and, you know, even the confidence is a good confidence, not a false confidence. He'll tell you, look, I'm, 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 I'm very confident I'm going to win this, and I'm running like I'm behind. And it, is he? I mean, he's out three, four times a day sometimes. He's on the phone constantly. He's planning constantly. If he isn't doing that, he's taping. Uh, there isn't a waking moment that doesn't go into getting reelected president. And really for us, he's driven by the fact that it's more important than him right now that he gets elected. And he'll actually say it to you. 
Yeah. Or, uh, hey, it's more important than me yep. or I'll say you. It's more yep. important than me or you. It's about right. our country. And, and we know it is. That's not bull. That's, that's real. No, it is. He even talks about the indictments. He says, listen, folks. They're not coming after me. They're coming after you. I'm just the guy in the way. So, you know, he took a couple of shots. Like me. Right. You're the same guy. You and him. Right. Same guy. Right. Uh, This case case brought against me, I found out yesterday, the lawyer in charge of it, I used to represent Burisma and was in a law firm with Hunter Biden. Oh, my God. And these are two women who have no money to speak of. They say it on a witness stand. They must have spent $8 million on that case so far. I have two lawyers. I have me and one lawyer on my table. They have eight. Jeez. Jeez. This is, this is not a case brought by two women from Georgia. This is a case brought by Joe Biden against me for $40 million. $40 million for defamation, right? In order to hobble me politically. It has nothing to do. And if you ever look at the, def- the, the interrogatories in this case, about half of them had to do with this case. Half of them had to do about things they could discover on Trump and me. So, and it's in the District of Columbia, by the way. I'm not allowed to say anything about the judge. I won't. I'll just tell you it's in the District of Columbia. Unbelievable. So tell me this, because I'm not going to lie, Rudy. I, I, I'm so tired of people attacking you and Trump, because I love both of you. I really do. And even you more, because I know you more personally than Donald. But I'm tired of it, so I don't follow all these accusations, all these lawsuits, all that closely. So uh, I don't. I just don't. So this one, you're, you're in court in Georgia yesterday. You're in court the last couple of weeks. Uh, tell me exactly what is at stake here. This is money, obviously. Uh, what are you looking at? Can you win this? Are you probably going to lose this? What kind of money is at stake here? What's the actual deal? I, I, I won't tell you if I can win or lose a case. Never do. I'll tell you in the District of Columbia, I think I'd be a first. I'd be the first re- Trump a person to win a criminal or civil case in four years since they since they went. Um, I'm not saying this judge now, but I'm saying the court went uh, J6 overboard. Uh, every case lost, including uh, the jury trials. Really? OK, so, um, you, know, you have a chance. You have a chance and people can be fair. And I'm hoping to God we got really fair people. Uh, but. If, I, if I'm just giving you an honest assessment of yeah. past practice, the past practice is if it isn't uh, uh, 100 to 1, it's 98 to 1. Okay. So, and, you know, uh, while we're talking about you, obviously, and what you did in Georgia yesterday, Trump did bring up a couple of times his cases on Saturday night. And I had Alina Haba, Rudy, on the show yesterday. She was actually on the way to court, and uh, she was kind enough to call me. And this is a case where a guy who's a professional shows up and says, listen to me, I've never seen a better a better case of books in my life. This is, if they were teaching how to do it in Econ 101, they would show the Trump books. That's how good they are. And yet, with that testimony and all the evidence that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt, there's no legal issue here. This is all about Letitia James and politics and the judge who hates Trump the judge refuses to throw this thing out. She knows they're going to lose. They're hoping for something better maybe in an appeal or when the, when, the, when the case actually moves. What kind of nonsense is that, Rudy? It's what's going on all around the country. And, and what you're talking about, unfortunately, if you get into a Democrat jurisdiction, is the rule rather than the exception. Uh, they have been, they, they have been uh, uh, taken into the campaign. 
the part, not, the part of the political process like they do in third world countries where uh, it's just not, I mean, Trump is just not going to get a fair trial. Uh, we'll see about me and we'll see about others, but, you know, so far the, the early cases for like the J6 people, et cetera, et cetera, have certainly not shown a, a, a fair trial. I'm almost, almost embarrassed to say they're not having a fair trial. It's so much worse than that. You know, you're on the show every Tuesday. You're on this week on a Wednesday, Rudy, and uh, you're you're brutally honest. I actually told your son, Andrew, I go, sometimes I'm nervous because I ask your dad some. No, I'm sorry, because I ask your dad questions. He always answers. He never shies away. He never gives me some nonsense answer. He's brutally honest. And uh, the last thing I want is for you to get in trouble. Every week you're on, you sound great. You sound you sound like you, you understand it's all part of the process. But I can't help but think, Rudy, when you're alone at night sometimes, maybe spending an hour on the couch when the Giants were losing, uh, thinking oh, to yourself, what the hell did I do to deserve this? I went to 2,000 funerals when all those cops died on 9-11. I basically brought down the mob when they were shaking down all innocent New Yorkers. What the hell yeah. did I do to deserve this? Well, you want a quick answer? I brought down Joe Bud. Give me the. What do you mean you brought down Joe Biden? That you would not have any of this evidence if I hadn't revealed it originally, when nobody else would. In uh, not the hard drive, that too, but in uh, in 2019 and 2020. In fact, if you go back to my podcast, they go back four years with almost 60 percent of the information you have now proving a RICO case. Then the hard drive, nobody else would take it. I was the last I was the last man on the board. And I'm the one who brought it into the New York Post. Notice I didn't do it as a the way the Biden the way the Biden people do it weaklings, uh, you know, they have to do it behind as informants. We still don't know who wrote the letter, the uh, the phony letter on Trump that got him impeached a second time. The guy's too cowardly to come forward. I put my name behind it. Not only did I go put my name behind it, I went on television and radio and spelled out the crimes of Joe Biden. And it, it literally, I don't think there's any doubt about it. You would not be dealing with Joe Biden if nobody else would have brought this out. Agreed. I know of. Yep. So you did. You actually did. Look at that. Another great thing, Rudy Julio. By the way, again, that's a Georgia case. Uh, like you mentioned, D.C. You're in the D.C. court. It was a Georgia case. But you're right. You did that, too. I mean, God, Rudy, what else can you possibly do? Now, I want to go back to your mayor's day, though. Because every time you're on, i got to bring up the current mayor who I did see yesterday. Very nice, very nice, at uh, the DEA holiday party with Paul DiGiacomo. And uh, the most recent numbers have him at 28%. Bill de Blasio never even got that low. And the rumors are, we touched on this last week, that Andrew Cuomo is in position to replace Eric Adams if, in fact, Eric Adams has to leave office. What do you think about that? I think Eric, uh, look, I got a lot of problems with Eric Adams too. You have a lot of problems with Eric Adams, but I think you also realize that there's a desire to, strangest thing, there's a desire to do the right thing and very bad execution. And, um, uh, I, I would not, I would not replace him with Andrew. I, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think a man who gets elected to office is entitled to keep that office unless he commits a crime. I was never at 28, but I was at 35, 36. Uh, Bloomberg was at 32, and we turned out pretty well, right? I would say so. Um, 
So uh, th- these things do go up and down, and a, a little bit of it is exaggerated by the, the 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 crisis. Now he did bring it on himself, but since then he's trying to fix it. So yes. I don't know how to how to look at that. Um, maybe it's better to have somebody there that learned his lesson, at least for now. We have an election coming up. That's when I think we probably should replace him. Not now, not in the middle of his term. And I don't see a, a great improvement. I mean, if Andrew runs it the way he ran the pandemic. Oof. Uh, Oof. I agree. Uh, no, I agree. I, I actually I mean, don't. I, I actually so don't. I would, I, I, no, I, I actually don't dislike. I, I don't dislike Eric Adams personally, but I really, really dislike Andrew Cuomo. He's a scumbag. Well, that's interesting. But I mean, the fact is, I don't see right now. I see smoke. Don't see fire. And I'm not one of those people who says that, meaning that will mean there's a crime. They said that about me when they searched my apartment. Right. There's smoke. There will be fire. No, there wasn't. There was just water. <laughs> <laughs> A year, a, a year and a half later, a year and a half later, the FBI and the Biden administration had had to write a letter to the court saying there's no evidence, no probable cause of crime in anything that we searched. Yeah, they searched my whole apartment, my whole law office, and 20 years of my business life. And the same thing is true with these cases that are brought against me. They are they are political. I just assure the people who have trusted me, I haven't done anything wrong, and I haven't lied, and I've conducted. People say Rudy changed. Rudy didn't change. Democrats changed. Yep. Uh, Rudy is the same guy that went after the mafia, yep. went after Wall Street, put, put Nazis away. In, uh, you know, I don't know how many U.S. attorneys have actually prosecuted Nazis. I did. Went out of my way to do it. Uh, and won cases that nobody else could win and turned around a city nobody else could turn around. It's the same Rudy Giuliani, the same persistence, uh, the same assertion, uh, belief that he's correct. And I have a society that has an illness called Trump derangement syndrome, including those on the bench. And then you have people like who are operatives for the Bidens. I, I do believe there's a chance that this lawyer in this case is an operative for the Biden. What's the, what's the chances that a guy represented Burisma, who now is with a multi-million dollar law firm, is representing these women for nothing mm. and blowing yes. maybe yep. eight, ten million dollars yep. for nothing. Uh, <laughs> and it's not. And it's not connected to uh, – and he's a Democratic politician. And it's not connected to hobbling Rudy Giuliani, not the fact that he did anything wrong. Unlikely, to your point, you're right. You did nothing wrong. You're the same guy. The Democrat Party has gone in the dumper. And the media, don't forget, the media has also gone completely, completely sour. Neither one of those things are your fault as far as I'm concerned. You are the same Rudy Giuliani and uh, the old Rudy Giuliani and the new Rudy Giuliani Oh, both great. I uh, love you to pieces. I really do, Rudy. Congratulations on uh, that little uh, those mentions on Saturday night. You'll get through this case yeah, in D.C. Too. I loved it. 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 Uh, he, you... seems to, he seems to have a lot of affection for you, too, just watching it. And I talk, he talks about you yeah. also when you, behind your back. He does. <laughs> That's all good. good. All good. All good. All good. Good. All That's good. great. I love you both. Rudy, thank you so much. This was great this morning. Thank all you right. so much. There he is, everybody, the great Rudy Giuliani. And, of course, you can catch Rudy every weekday afternoon right here at 3 p.m. He's still the man, folks. Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor in the history of this city, one of the finest men in the history of this state. Big hour to come, Arthur Idala and Peter King. We'll be right back.
Sid and friends in the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. Great defense attorneys in the world. One of them with Joseph Takapina loves the Rolling Stones. He follows them around like the deadheads follow around the Grateful Dead. So Curtis, yesterday, and repeated it today with me and Pete Morgan, told this story of how there's already been a meeting between Cuomo and Adams and their peeps. And if, in fact, Eric Adams finds himself in a legal situation, he's FBI rage, everything else, where he has to leave office. We've seen it, Elliot Spitzer and others, that there's already a deal in place, already a deal in place, which would have Cuomo, my God, from bad to worse, take over tomorrow. That's according to Curtis. And then Idala, who's friends with both of those guys, God bless him, <laughs> uh, Adams and Cuomo, had a phone conversation. Why, I don't know, but he did with the former governor yesterday, and he is, I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe he is going to tear apart Curtis's story about how there's a deal in place where Cuomo is set to take over if Adams can't continue the job. So with that said, here he is, the great author Idala. Artie, good morning. How are you? First of all, congratulations. I know where you came from, where you've been, your trials and tribulations, and to have the former president of the United States and possibly the future president of the United States acknowledge you multiple times <laughs> in a room. No, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I you. couldn't be more sincere. You know, Sid, I, you know, I've been around you for a little while. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the world hasn't always been as sunshiny as it is right now no. for you. And Thank the you. fact that, you know, you're getting these ratings that are through the roof. And uh, and uh, it's a cool thing. Like, I mean, look, the president threw you a bunch of bouquets in a big room. With a lot of important people. Good for you, brother. That's you should be very proud of that. Well, just so you know, uh, when when you say that and you say you're sincere, I know you are because folks that don't know, because uh, I say I love everybody, you love everybody, but Audie and I have been really, really close. Uh, he's been my attorney too, but we've been very, very close for many, many years. So when you say that, you are sincere. So thank you very much for that. Thank no, you. It's a, it's a cool deal. And and one other thing, since I'm throwing bouquets around here. How great was that interview just now with Rudy Giuliani? You know, you, and for those folks who don't know, I represent I've represented Rudy now uh, when they're trying to take away his law license, both in New York and in Washington. My team has represented him. We're representing him in, in, the, in the Georgia case. Anyone who knows Rudy's not exactly rolling in the money. 
So we're not really, you know, worried about that part of things. We're here to help the person who you just called the greatest mayor in the city of New York history. And I can't tell you how many people who are like, Rudy's like doesn't know what he's talking about anymore, right, Arthur? Like, Rudy's lost his mind. Rudy's got Alzheimer's. He, I mean, he just gave you such an excellent interview. And even when you, 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 you just put him on the, the spot with Adams and Cuomo, did you hear how measured his answer yep. was yep. regarding Eric Adams? Yep. Did you hear how measured he was? And that's a sign of someone who does have their act together. And if anyone wants to know, when we sit in my conference room in midtown Manhattan with the mayor, with two reti- three retired Supreme Court judges, one of them is a appellate judge, all retired, working with Rudy. Let me tell you something. Rudy is running right in their league, correcting them on stuff, adding things. So anyone who says, oh, Rudy's lost it, I can tell you as a lawyer, as a litigant, he absolutely has well, not. Listen, anybody, I- anybody who says that hates Trump, that's the bottom line. If you hate Trump, you have to hate Giuliani like you just said. There is nothing. This man does an hour radio show every day. He's on top of everything. And look, the truth is, when it comes to Eric Adams, he used to be a lot more critical. But, but, to his point, he feels like what's happening to him, Rudy and Donald Trump, is happening to Eric now. He really, really believes that whether you blame Eric or not, and he does for some of these migrant problems, he really believes that the White House Biden, that administration has soured on Eric, and he's got a bullseye on his back, and he believes he's become the target of the government like him and Trump. So for him to say that, I think, does say an awful lot. And he also mentioned the polling numbers. Everyone said 28%. You heard Rudy? He just said, hey, I was at 35. Bloomberg was at 32. Those are the two. Those two guys are going to go. That 20-year span between Rudy and Bloomberg is going to go down in the history books as the, the greatest period in New York City history, and there, there they are, they're two or three points uh, higher than Eric Adams is right now. And for all of us New Yorkers, I don't care what your political party is, for those of us who like to ride the subways, go to Broadway shows, go to baseball games, I just hope Eric Adams, you know, rebounds and becomes the, the, the mayor, the ilk of Rudy and Bloomberg. I just, I hope so, because I love it. I live here. This is, I, I don't want the mayor to screw things up. I want him to fix things up. So you asked the question a minute ago, why did I call Andrew Cuomo? I did it honestly, Sid. I did it for you. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm being sincere. Oh, you did. No, you did say that in the text to me yesterday, and I believe you. I, I do. You. I, yes. I did it for you because here's the deal. Again, I'm gonna think, everyone's going to think I'm really kissing your ass. Curtis thinks I kiss Eric's ass. He's really going to think I kiss Sid's ass. <laughs> I, can't, I can't tell you how many people. I was on the show with you on Friday talking about the Hunter Biden indictment, and I broke it all down. So many people called me, texted me. My uncle, Dr. Anthony Piazza, Saturday morning, I'm like, why is my uncle calling me? He goes, I'm just calling to tell you I thought you were so great <laughs> on this show, the way you broke it all down. So my only point is so many people listen to you and rely on you. They, they don't rely even you know, I, I think the people the here, truth. I think the people here don't even realize I mean that. I don't mean that in a nasty way, but I think the people that even work here, the, the powers that be, they have no idea how many people listen. Like, same thing. I, you know, I, I get that every day now. I mean, I can't believe it myself. It's surreal to me. But I'm happy to hear you get those messages because you were great on Friday. Well, that's a, but my point is this. People rely on you. The way they relied on my legal analysis on Friday, they rely on you. And look, Curtis is a legend. He is a living, walking Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Here comes radio. a big butt. Here comes legend. a butt, butt, butt. Well, I, I, I'm not going to let him. Go on your prestigious radio show and just say things that are just categorically made up. Like he just created that. And so I said, you know what? 
maybe Curtis is right and I'm wrong. So I picked up the phone. I called the governor. We, uh, he said I spoke for 45 minutes. I didn't speak for 45 minutes. We spoke for a solid 20. And, you know, the bottom, bottom line is, I mean, he laughed at first when I told him about it. And then he used a couple of words that I can't repeat on the radio because my mother's listening <laughs> about, how, about how ridiculous that would be. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cuomo said, just look at my track record from Washington to attorney general to governor I'm all about my team. I'm all about my team. I would never step into somebody's shoes and take over, you know, take over someone else's team. That's just ludicrous. And on top of that, yeah, yeah, if, if God forbid Eric Adams ever got indicted, the first thing you anyone is going to do is clean house, right? You got to say, well, okay, this was a corrupt administration, and we got to wipe everybody out. The last thing you would want is the indicted mayors who's leaving. You want his support? Of course not. You run away from him like a Rats off a sinking ship. Well, so. I mean, so, some of that is true. I'm going to push back just a little bit and uh, again, right, nothing right. to do with you because, and by the way, you know that this phone call, you have just set yourself up to get obliterated by Curtis come noon, but you don't right, care. Right, I love that yeah, about you. Right. I mean, God right. bless him. Right, of course. But, I love but, Curtis. No, I know you do, but when it comes to Andrew Cuomo, and I'm sorry, I know you like him and you called him yesterday, and he can swear up and down that he didn't or he did something, he's a liar. I mean, the fact is, he's been proven to be a liar. He's been proven to be a liar, Artie. Let's just go with your hypothesis that that's true. Let's just say that's accurate. But it doesn't make sense. It would be like you having to take over a radio show at a different station, but you can't. Then the guy who just left had the worst ratings in the world, and you want him to say, please listen to Sid? (laughs) I was the worst ever, but I really want you to listen to Sid. And by the way, we're not going to change a thing. He was the worst ever, but we're not going to change the thing. We're just changing. So you would say, no, 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 no. No, you're right about that, but, but you're right. But here's where the analogy is not fair. Everybody knows this. Cuomo was on. You talk about me being on top of the world now, and you're right. It's been great. Cuomo was really on top of the world. I mean, you know, you had women uh, DMing his box every day, his big hands, his great tan. Even me and Bernie, even me and Bernie spent about two weeks saying early on during COVID, he looks more presidential than most candidates. We loved him. It lasted about two weeks. We were smarter than everybody else. Everybody else kind of figured it out years later. But the truth is, he had it all, and it's gone, and it was embarrassing the way it ended. And, yes, there's a poll that came out last week that said he would double up Eric Adams. That's more of an indictment, I think, of Eric than it is a positive turn for Andrew. The point is, it was embarrassing the way he left, and he's he's dying to get back in any capacity. He's kind of desperate. So even what you just laid out, that embarrassing return for Eric Adams, would Cuomo do it? Of course he would. He wants to get yeah, back. No, he he would not. He would not cut a deal where I'm going to run and I'm only going to I'm only going to uh, run. And I want your support, number one, and I'm not going to get rid of your staff. That part's proud. I'm not saying he wouldn't run. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. Has he told you? Okay, okay. So, so, so let's say you're right. Let's say you're right. It's ridiculous. He's not going to come and take over a loser staff. The whole uh, thing with Frank Caron and Frank Sedio. First of all, Frank Sedio has more integrity in his pinky than most people I know have in their whole body. Does the Frank Sedio? Does Frank Sedio have more integrity in his pinky than Curtis has in his whole body? Well, I, I, look, I'm not going to go into Curtis's integrity because he's a weird dude. He's got these cats. He's running around. But he's the one He's the one that's always attacking Frank Sadio, So, Yeah, well, because he's a fantastic Radio Hall of Fame broadcaster that keeps everyone interested, keeps everyone entertained, a theater of the mind. But he, my point, and, and that's why I called Cuomo, 
That's why I talked to Sedio to come on your show to give your, your listeners a little dose of reality. And the dose of reality, in some, I can summarize, is very simple. There was no meeting at Juniors. I don't even think Frank Crow's in the country, let alone in town. So there was no meeting at Juniors, number one. Cuomo would never run for mayor with some deal with, with Eric. He might run for mayor if, God forbid, something happened to Eric. And I don't think that the, the smoke around Eric Adams, and you just heard Rudy Giuliani in this magnificent interview say, they did the same thing to me. And a year and a half later, they apologized, which is so rare. But they did. They did. We, I, Rudy called me 6.15 in the morning. I'm in the shower. I'm like, why is the mayor calling me? Hi, Arthur. It's, it's Rudy. That, Rudy, what's up? He goes, oh, there's three FBI agents here with a search warrant. What do I do? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you know what a search warrant looks like. Sit down, have a cup of coffee, and let them do their thing. A right. year and a half later, there was nothing. No, I know. That's, that's right. I hope that's exactly what happened with Eric, what's going to happen with Eric. They slapped him on the wrist, said, shut up about Biden's not giving you enough money. We got to get Biden reelected. And that this is all going to disappear. You know, let me ask you this. Um, you're, you're, you're amazing. You're a great speaker. You're a great attorney. You can speak to a jury. You can speak to my audience. You can speak to your own audience. You've got your own terrific radio show. You're great. There's no question about it. But let me ask you this. Did Andrew Cuomo at any point during this conversation yesterday say, you know what, Artie? I don't want you to call into Sid show tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I'm a little tired of the Sid Curtis deal and all these ridiculous stories they're making up. I know how Sid talks about me. You know what? Love him, hate him. The guy's number one. He's got a huge audience. I can't just act like he doesn't exist. I want to come on tomorrow and tell him what really happened. And if he wants to beat me up in nursing homes or, or uh, you know, the, uh, the bail reform, I'll take it. Because if I'm so tough enough you- to be governor, I'm tough enough to talk to Sid. Why doesn't he do something like that instead of coming off like a thin-skinned pussy? No, no. He, I asked him, I said, you want me to dress her? You don't. He goes, no, go for it. He goes, if you're going to be on, go for it. I don't think if you gave him, if you offered him the proper invitation, he would deny you. I mean, probably calling the guy a scumbag is not like the, the greatest, like, you know, lead in to getting a, a, a guest. Oh, please. Show. He's been called a lot worse. He's been called a lot oh, worse. Oh. Okay, well, well, if you notice, you said that to Rudy Giuliani, and all he just said was interesting. That's true. All he said was interesting. True. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that that, that uh, Andrew, like, he's still, didn't he do, like, some two-hour thing with Scaramucci on? on oh, you stop it. You better I mean, he, take gonna, that back. He's not going to shy away from the microphone. Oh, well, you stop it. Scaramucci is up his ass like you are. What, are you kidding me? Uh, Scaramucci, uh, he's checking for polyps this morning. Are you nuts? Well, uh, well I, didn't, I, I swear I didn't listen to a second of it but i i I don't i don't see andrew cuomo shying away from any kind of fight i look i came on just so your listeners who rely on your information to tell them that curtis has a great story it was intriguing i loved listening to it i love listening to him this morning as well but it's just not true because people rely on sid rosenberg's show in the morning and i don't want them to say wow this is really what's going on this is not what's going on it's not frank sedio who you know i know so well frank carone who he's going to, I'm going to be with on Christmas Eve. The, the, the governor, the mayor, who you know, I've been speaking to on a regular basis. You know, the, the, God willing, nobody wants Eric Adams to go down that I know of. And God willing, they're just checking things out. They're poking around. They're kicking the bear. I don't think that the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, is going to authorize bringing down the sitting mayor of the city of New York when the city of New York is the most important city in the country 
and the city is in tremendous crisis, financial crisis, migrant crisis, et cetera, that is not going to help Joe Biden in any way, shape, or form that New York is going to hell in a handbasket at all. So I don't see Eric going down. I don't see that smoking gun that, they, that basically Washington is going to say, yep, let's bring down the mayor and cause chaos and have Jumani Williams be the mayor for 60 days, and then you're going to have 40 people running for mayor. And guess who's going to be in that mix? The one, the only, the one we love, wearing the red beret, Curtis Lewa. So on the way out, uh, this is another unbelievable appearance. Your uncle will be calling you, I can promise you that. Uh, on the way out, it's a yes or no answer. Are you ready? Go ahead. Is Curtis Sliwa a liar? Okay, there it is. No answer. That's all I need. <laughs> I hesitate. He, he's he's creative. He's creative. I don't want to say anything bad about Curtis. Oh, I know a, a little boy. I just, I just got one of the greatest trial attorneys ever not to talk for about five seconds. He's he's, he's creative. You know, he's, he's got a, a vivid imagination. Let's put it that way. The whole thing about Sedio eating a whole cheesecake, it's brilliant. It's I texted you. It's brilliant. Sedio ate the whole cheesecake, and this one only had a slice. It's theater of the mind. He makes it all up out of whole cloth, but it's fantastic. Listen, I have no issue with Frank. Unlike Curtis, I've met Frank Sedio a couple of times. And i got to be honest, he has been so nice to me. In fact, I saw him at, uh, what's the last place I saw him? It wasn't Cipriani's, but he was so nice to me. i got no issue with Frank, none. But he does look like a guy that can eat a whole cheesecake, no? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would. I tell him all the time, Uncle. Fr- I call him Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank, we got to take it easy here, buddy. But yes, we. You should see when he and I do damage at El Bisco Morning Gardens. Oh my God! Oh yeah, you got to tell oh, Lenny. You got to tell Lenny. We're, yeah, we're coming back. Tell Lenny we're coming back soon. Hey, Artie, this was great, man. Really, really great. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Congratulations on everything. Sam. Thank keep you. It going. You just, too. No, just, just keep it going, brother. Just Thank nice you. And slow. Thank nice you. No more speed bumps. Okay, no more. You got Whatever Danielle tells you, just do what she says. Oh, my God. She's texting me right now. So uh, there he is, folks, the great defense attorney. That was great. Arthur Arthur Aitana, that was a great appearance. What a heck of a show today, guys, huh? Seriously. Anthony D'Esposito, Curtis Sliwa, obviously um, Arthur Aitana was terrific. Rudy Giuliani was great. Eric Goldstein from the UJA. Pete Morgan live in studio. Not even close to be done. Peter King is still coming. Greg Kelly is still coming. And you ready for this? The father of the man that has won three straight games at quarterback for the football giants, Tom DeVito Sr. He's going to join us today as well. Keep it right here. Sit on a Wednesday. Will you just Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Christmas, baby. Tonight I will light the menorah, but 
Doesn't matter to me. Hanukkah, Christmas. It was a great time of year. Went to a nice Christmas party yesterday. Once again, Paul Giacomo, the mayor, was there. I did uh, leave before the commissioner, Eddie Caban, showed up. But there was a bunch of great cops. Really, I mean, I, I've been to the the, uh, the DEA dinner in Howard Beach, but the Giacomo gave me an award, and now spending the holiday party, me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, with those cops yesterday, it was just terrific. So Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year to all you folks. One quick note, my son Gabriel, you like this, Pete Morgan, my son Gabriel, mm-hmm. again, diagnosed with dyspraxia as a little boy, and you know the story what the doctor said, blah, blah, blah. But you don't want to hear it. And my son has worked his butt off, worked his butt off for many, many years to get to the point where he can walk on a basketball court anywhere and compete. It's layups and it's jumpers and, you know, physically it doesn't always look like he can. Neither did I, by the way, Uh, but he does. And he had his first team action this summer playing in the summer league, the St. Francis Summer League in Rockaway this summer. He was was great. And his coach, uh, Brian Mullen did a terrific job, and it was fun. But tonight, Gabriel Martin Atticus Rosenberg makes his debut as a JV basketball player for his high school team. Wow. You know, and I can't be there because I'm going to light the menorah, so Danielle's going to take him to the game. But how about that, huh? That's amazing. Right? What a, he's such a sweetheart. Thank you. Good I, know you I know you love him. He loves you, too, and... Um, we're really, really proud of him. We really are. So he, uh, you know, he comes home every day, and he loves basketball anyway. He loves the Knicks, loves the Knicks. And um, we're going to take him to see the uh, Rangers and Sabres. In between him going to see the Nets and the Knicks, the Nets and the Nuggets, and Christmas Day, I'm taking him to see the Knicks and the Bucks, the Garden. But we're so proud of Gaby, and um, good luck tonight. Mom will be there. I won't, but I'll be rooting for you. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. And love is not an easy thing. The only baggage that you can bring. Love the easy thing. The only baggage you can bring is all that you can't leave behind. One of my favorite U2 songs ever. Great song. Great song. So I spoke to two of my consigliaries at the break. Dr. Peter King and uh, Dr. Curtis Sliwa. And I'm getting texts from Dr. Kevin Breslin. And before next Friday, Friday's our last show. Next Friday. After today, we've got seven shows left. Before next Friday, December the 22nd, my intention is, with the assumption that he'll do it, is to bring Andrew Cuomo on. It's uh, been a long time. In fact, it's been forever. We had one private cell phone conversation almost a year ago. And I think it's time. I think uh, Cuomo needs to be here. So, Alec, uh, can you make that happen? I mean, I could call him and text him right now. He's got a, I've got his cell phone, but. Uh, I probably can't make it happen, but I'll try. You probably can't? Yeah. Why not? 
Well, because I'm the easiest person for him to say no to, by the way. Right. Like, I'm just your producer, so I'm an easy no, <laughs> and I won't even be talking to him directly. So you basically just want me to do it. Representative. No, you're, you're, I, you're I'm well, saying I'll give it my best, Yeah. but I'm not going to sit here and make any promises that I'm going to book you Andrew Cuomo No. after you call him, you know, I mean, you call, you call him names every day. So what? What kind of, the guy was a governor. You know what people have said about this guy? It doesn't matter. But it, what do you mean it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter. You know what I used to say to me? I get that, but you can't force the guy to come on. No, but I shouldn't have to force him. Well, you I don't want to hear he's upset that I called him a well, name. What are you, nuts? Well, do you remember how it went last time? No, it never happened. Well, you, what do you mean? You had him, and then you didn't have him. Because he canceled. Exactly. Before he even got on the air, he so canceled. What do you mean? What do you think he's going to do the second time? I think he's going to do it. Okay. I do. Well. All of his friends are telling me what a great guy he is. Yeah. Don't call him bad names. I love his father. I love his mother. He's actually a great guy. You don't know him. He'll come on. Let's see if they're right. Okay. I'll do the best I can for you. Like Peter I, like King I comes on do. every damn week. I call him names. There you go. Well, mm-hmm. there he is, the great congressman. Well, wow. Did you just <laughs> compare the two of that? No, that... but I'm just saying, if people got upset if I called them names and they wouldn't come on because of that, that's ridiculous. Come on. I call everybody names. I used to call Donald Trump bad names. You may think it's ridiculous, but to some people. Yeah, but for some people, those are called... Well, I didn't hear. But then that's what Andrew Cuomo is. Hello, Peter. Good morning, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> oh. Well, let me ask you, Peter. No, no matter what you're doing, you could be with right. your gorgeous wife, Rosemary. You could be hanging out with Bruce Blakeman or Joe Cairo. If you knew, I'm being serious, that Andrew Cuomo was coming on with me, would you not block out those 20 minutes, make sure you were available to listen to that? Uh, sure. Absolutely. It's going to be great radio. So he's going to deal with that, right? I, w- I would think he would. I've known Andrew over the years. We've had, you know, up again, down again. Uh, but no, listen, first of all, he's a smart guy. Two of you going at it, it'll be good. And, uh, you know, you have strong feelings. Andrew wants to make a comeback. And to me, it'd be a great show. If he can if he can just hold his own on your show, that gains him votes because that's a constituency he wouldn't have. So to me, it makes a lot more sense to go into the enemy camp to try to get votes. You know, Peter means that, too, and I agree with you on a, on a serious note, whether he comes on with me or not. It, he would be, he would come off very thin-skinned if he didn't come on with me because I quote-unquote called them names. But I know you do feel that way, and look, you, you've been called all kinds of names. I mean, you know, first of all, I do want to thank you for that great dinner last Thursday. That was the day after you were on with me. And uh, Danielle and I had an unbelievably great time. You were great. Your wife, Rosemary's terrific, and Bruce Blakeman, and, um, and uh, right. Pat Ryder. And uh, what's his name? Fintan? What's his name? Fintan McCormick. Sergeant McCormick. He's the uh, the head of the SIS unit and a uh, great guy. And he's still thanking me every day if you being on there. It was a great night. It was a great so, night. Yeah, it was great. Good guys. Yeah, they're all great guys and girls and just courageous. I mean, FBI right. people and terrorism, counterterrorism people. And really an unbelievable group at uh, Hendricks Tavern, which is a, a really a well-known uh, tradition there in Roslyn. But you told a couple of stories, Peter, that, you know, during your stay as congressman, that, uh, you know, at one point there was a 1,000 people outside your house, and you had to deal with that. Yeah, they uh, actually bought bus loads. They came from uh, Huntington out east. They came from Brooklyn on the west. And uh, I was down in Washington. My wife's in the house alone. Actually, you know, they had also, the police, my daughter would also have my wife leave the house and stay at my daughter's house, but she wouldn't leave. So we had uh, cops out front with long guns. There were people coming in, banging drums. But the good part of it was, like the neighbors, the guy across the street put on a loudspeaker playing God Bless America. You know, the neighbors come out. 
So it almost got a bit out of hand. The cops kept it under control. But I was just, uh, it's bad when that stuff happens. I mean, going to people's houses, to me, serves no purpose. Yeah. By the way, before I forget, congratulations on Gabe. That is great news. Everything else is BS. But something like that happens, that's just great. So, uh, I know you. Uh, Thank you. I know you feel that way. you got two great kids of your own, both uh, Sean and Aaron, a terrific kid. So thank you for that. So you and I have gone back and forth, and uh, it even got a little rough in a couple of times. It got testy about Ukraine. I have not changed my right. mind. In fact, in fact, I feel doubly strong about it now. Enough. I don't trust Zelensky, his wife, that country. Enough. We need the, mo- the money, first of all, here in the United States, and then Israel. Ukraine, for me, is like fourth or fifth on that list. Do you still feel as strongly today as you did a year a year ago about funding the Ukraine? Yeah, I feel stronger than ever. But let's put this in perspective. You make it sound like it's me against you. Brian Kilmead has the exact same position as me. He's an idiot. Basically, to me, this is this involves Western civilization. Yeah. Israel is vitally important, extremely important. Ukraine is part of that same uh, mixture. I mean, it's Russia, yeah, Russia, China, and Iran are an unholy axis. If we allow Russia to win in Ukraine, that's going to cause countries like Germany and Europe to go into the sphere of influence of Russia, the economic sphere of influence. Russia is now being supplied by Iran with their drones. And so this is, uh, to me, you can't separate these countries. Now, listen, and also, there's not the reason why we can't afford it. There's like one-tenth or 1% of our budget goes to Ukraine. 20 European countries are giving more per capita than we are. European countries overall. And most of the money we give, certainly our military, is here in the United States. What we do is we give them, I'd say, X dollars of weapons from our supplies. Then we buy those weapons for ourselves. So the money is being spent here in the United States, not in Ukraine. As far as uh, Zelensky, I think this guy has shown heroism beyond anyone that I know oh of right God. now. In, now, look, at, wait a minute. This country was going to be demolished, destroyed in a week. Wow. You stay there, and right now they've held off the Russians, caused Russia to lose, what, two-thirds, three-quarters of, of their military without wow. one American life being lost. To me, this is anyone who wants to pull out of Ukraine and not give money is going to put American lives at risk. And I, I wouldn't want that in my conscience. I wouldn't either, but uh, I, don't, I don't believe that's true. So, and by the way, this guy's a clown. You'll never see Netanyahu show up at the Academy Awards making speeches by him, his wife, uh, whatever. I don't know. call a guy a clown who's put his life on the line. Oh, will you stop fire. and put his life on the line? Will you stop that? Stop. Sid, you're living in your own world. You are so wrong. I mean, sometimes you're wrong. This time you're a thousand percent wrong. I'll stand with Brian Kilmeade and Bill O'Reilly and Rich Riley. Okay, and, I'll, and I'll stand. I'll stand yeah. with Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and uh, the million other people. With Bannon and uh, uh, Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. That whole crowd—they're all yours. Yeah, they're I like yours. those people. They make that's great that's speeches. That, that, <laughs> I, I rest my case. I rest my case. Oh, are you? Oh, wait, Donald Trump? You're going to go with Brian Kilmeade over Donald Trump? Are you nuts? On foreign policy expertise, yes, sir. <laughs> Listen, we're never going to we're never we're never going to agree on this. I want the money for Israel. I want the money for the United States. I don't want it. Well, well, we well, no, we can't. No, we can't. clearly we can't do both because the House can't get approval. We can't. This is one tenth of one percent. I understand what you're saying, Peter, but clearly we're not going to get both done. I know what you're saying. The money is there. Who says we can? Roosevelt won in the, in the Pacific and he won in Europe. You can do both. We're okay. a great country. We, we won the Cold War. We took on Russia and China. We won the Cold War. We can do it. Americans do it. We can't put 1% of our, one of our budget to stop Russia. It's going to cost us much, much more in the future. All right, fair enough. So let's get back to the House Republicans. That, uh, most of them agree with me, by the way. Not most, but some. Uh, about the Ukraine. Look, um, the Israel situation. 
You know, you look yeah. at, uh, we said this months ago, that it was only a matter of time. Biden's rhetoric is nonsense. It's just, you can't be in bed with Iran for two administrations and be pro-Israel. You just can't. And, and we said, I've, I've said at least for months, and I've been loud about it, that Biden has never been a friend of Israel. He may be better than Obama, but so what? And it was just a matter of time before the United States joined everybody else and really started to turn their backs on Israel. And here we are. Biden wants a new government. Israelis are too conservative. Their bombing is out of control. He's not for it. All this nonsense. When Netanyahu made it very, very clear after October the 7th, once we couldn't get the rest of the hostages, we're going to destroy these people. Good, bad, or indifferent. Innocents do die during wars. We saw that in Hiroshima. We saw that in Nagasaki and wars since then. So now it is clear. It is clear that Biden is exactly what I thought he would be Two months ago. Is that not the case? You and I agree 100 percent of this, a thousand percent. Biden is doing so much to undermine Israel and it's going to affect not just Israel. It's going to affect the whole Middle East and the United States. Netanyahu has to do what he has to do. And for Biden to any way suggest that Israel needs a new government, that's the height of arrogance. And all that does is undermine Netanyahu. It emboldens Iran. It emboldens Hezbollah. It emboldens Hamas. It's absolutely wrong what he's doing. And this is all part of the whole left-wing movement in the Democratic Party, which Biden is now captive of that wing of the party. It's ab- absolutely outrageous. We are fighting with our—we uh, should be on the same side of our closest ally. And we're trying to hi- tie the hands behind the back, where they've tied the hands of the cops in this country, the way they've put uh, you know, limits on what our military can do. No. Israel, what they are doing, the fight that they have— and to be telling them that they should have a terrorist state next to them and do nothing about it or limit what they can do. I mean, for every, every bombing mission that Israel calls off because of Biden, that means more innocent Israelis are going to be killed in the future. It's absolutely disgraceful. I stand with Israel. I stand with Netanyahu. And we have no right coming in. By the way, they're mad at Netanyahu because he wants to change the court. How about the Democrats who want to change the U.S. Supreme Court here? After certain decisions come down. So, no, that's the height of arrogance. There's democracy, the only democracy in, in, in the Middle East. With all the money that's been sent to Iran, all the uh, lifting of the embargoes, which gives them billions and billions of dollars in uh, oil revenues. Ab- absolutely disgrace. Stand with Israel. End of story. Beautifully. Well done. Uh, I enjoyed the disagreement. I enjoyed the agreement. Again, we, we really love last Thursday night. And, uh, you know, anytime we do something with you, whether it's uh, King Umberto's or, you know, last week, uh, the, the tavern, it's always really special. Gardulos last summer. <laughs> yes, that's right, Gardulos. Uh, of course, that was in Brooklyn, not in your part of town. But your people out there, Peter, I mean it. I mean you and Bruce and Cairo and Anthony D'Esposito, who was on earlier this morning, just uh, and, and Pat Ryder. Rosario, Rosario King Umbertos loves you. Yes, loves he's a great guy, too. These are just the salt of the earth, and Danielle and I really love you guys a lot. So thank you so much, and another great appearance this morning. Thank you so much. I, tell you, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You were only invited because you said you were bringing Danielle. That's <laughs> the one everybody wanted to say. I hate to say it, but I'm starting to feel like that's the case everywhere. I mean, she got so much more attention than I did yesterday at the DEA party. I swear to God, Peter. I'm starting to think Danielle is, is the one. It's not me. It's her. But thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so you're the best. Take you're the best. Yourself. Thank you. You Thanks. too. Great job there. Great job by Peter King. That's a terrific Wednesday morning guest. Every Wednesday, that wraps up hour number three. But we've got a big fourth and final 9 o'clock hour about to come your way. Our colleague and friend who finished 11 spots ahead of Curtis in the Barrett News Media top mid-market midday shows. Greg Kelly will join us. But coming up next, he's the father of the quarterback of the Giants, 
They've just won three consecutive games. Tom DeVito on Sitting Friends in the Morning, thanks to Pete Morgan, is coming up next. You could have flown away a singing bird in an open cage who will only fly, only fly for freedom. Oh, oh, walk on, walk on. What you got before tonight can set it all by you. Walk on, walk on. To stay safe tonight. And no, it aches how your heart it breaks. You can only take so much. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. So we had a caller earlier who said that there is an, a commercial on the Giants pregame and maybe the Giants postgame as well where Tommy DeVito's father is reading it. And I had not heard this commercial, so we we're able to uh, find it courtesy of Bob Gelb, who sent it to us. So uh, let's listen to Mr. Big Tom DeVito reading a commercial here for the Giants Radio Network on WFAN. I'm Tom DeVito, dad of Giants quarterback Tommy DeVito. Football season is the perfect time to replace that beast in your basement and save on your heating bill with a new Peerless Boiler. I've installed Peerless Boilers throughout my career, and they're the best choice for all your heating needs. Take it from me, Tom DeVito of DeVito Plumbing, and visit PeerlessBoilers.com for a dealer near you. Remember, Peerless Boilers, the world's best-built boilers. People ask me all the time, are Peerless Boilers really the best? My answer, forget about it. Oh my God! You know who he Bird replaced? Her. What's that? You know who he replaced with that read? No. You know who was doing the read before that? No, Sid Rosenberg. Spectacular! That's he right. Was doing that read on the Giants Radio Network? Yeah, really? Yeah. Wow. Jeez. So you got you got replaced by Tommy DeVito's dad, Tom DeVito. Well, that was uh, my buddies there, Boomer and Gio, and I do like those guys. The very popular morning show at WFAN. We used to work there for many years, and uh, I was in that studio when I miss yelled at Boomer Esiason, and he started to cry. <laughs> Not really. I like Boomer and NGO. Those guys do a terrific job. And, well, they were partly right. You know, I've been doing the uh, the Peerless Border commercials for Pete Morgan on the Giants radio network for 25 years. I was in Florida for 11 years. I kept getting phone calls. Sid, you never told us you came back. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm in Boca. We just heard to do a commercial for the Giants. I'm like, no, you dummy. I taped those down in Florida, you doofus. <laughs> so, um, but I have been doing those for 25 years. I also do for Pete. I do the Rangers. I do the Patriots. I do the Boston Bruins. I do all of them. But, uh, it was funny to, uh, to hear that. Although, listen, maybe, maybe Boomer's right. Did Tom DeVito replace me? Uh, well, he certainly displaced you this weekend. This weekend. And, uh, everybody loves it. I mean, everybody loves it. They miss me, too. I heard him say it. I don't know about that. No? Well, they love Tom DeVito. Hi, Tom. How are you? How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Hold on. So it turns out, Tom, that uh, Pete, uh, of course, uh, like every Giant fan, loves what's happening with your son. Three consecutive wins. Giants nearly a touchdown underdog at home Monday night. They beat the Packers. And not only did your son play a great game on uh, Monday night, but uh, it comes to my attention through Pete Morgan. I believe this happened literally, Tom DeVito, moments ago, moments ago. Your son, the NFC Offensive Player 
of the week. How does that make you feel? Proud, very proud dad. Sorry the voice is a little hoarse. It's still a little hoarse from Monday night. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I mean, uh, I saw you and the agent kissing and uh, yelling and screaming. And look, everybody knows the story. Cedar Grove kid and, you know, goes to uh, Syracuse, ends up for a year at Illinois, all those great years at Don Pasco, uh, Bosco Prep, too. But to be now undrafted, undrafted, and the starting quarterback, I mean, you know what they say, right? You know, set up you up with the Yankees and quarterback for the Giants. That's where stars are made. And to win three straight and go three and one as a starter, I don't know if you could have predicted this as much as you love your son, Tom. Absolutely not. It, it's a dream come true for sure. You know, a lot of folks, too, are uh, pissed off at some of the fans and the media because, um, you know, look, I'm a Jewish kid. I think you know that. Uh, but I've always wanted to be Italian, always. And I do play Italians and mobsters and movies, just so you know. Um, but I've always had this growing up in Brooklyn during the John Travolta era, always wanted to be Italian. In fact, I'm the only Jew, mind you, that gets a a, um, a Cadillac, a convertible Cadillac, at the Columbus Day Parade every year. And Angelo Vivolo was considering making me next year the very first ever Jewish Grand Marshal. I love the Italian people, but there seems to be a lot of folks making fun of the Italians and the heritage because uh, of your son and your Italian heritage. Does that piss you off? Not at all. For the reasons you guys just said, somewhere deep down, even for a little bit, Somebody wants to be Italian because we're fun-loving people. <laughs> we're right. cool people. You know, it's just everybody wants to be Italian for a little bit. So you're, you're claiming it's uh, just a jealousy. That's it, right? No, I don't call it jealousy. I just think it's an admiration. You know, we're fun-loving people. We could take jokes. We could give jokes. You know, we, we, we have thick skin. There's no thin skin here at all. You're very much like uh, Jewish people, which is uh, which is why I think Jewish people and Italian people get along so well. I mean, there are so many similarities, and you guys living out in Cedar Grove, New Jersey, I'm going to guess there's a couple of Jews out there, yes? <laughs> oh, everywhere. We love everybody. <laughs> we love everybody, and everybody loves you and your kid. It is, a, it is an unbelievable story. You know, it didn't start off all that well. I'd be lying if I said to you that when he first came in after Jones and Taylor both went down with injuries, I didn't think, oh, my God, this could actually go from bad to worse. I'll admit it. And I saw Tommy play at Syracuse, and I liked him. Uh, but this is a different level, obviously, uh, here at the National Football League. And to see him improve, see, that's the thing, Tom, where your son now is starting to really raise some eyebrows, is that every week he improves. And every week he makes it look like he belongs out there every Sunday. I know you see that, That's and he's got to see that, too, so that's a big deal. Sure, but, you know, it's a progression for every rookie that steps into the NFL. You know, every rookie is going to go through its growing pains, and it's a learning process and the speed of the game. He's just blessed to have great coaches and great teammates around him that support him. You know, uh, Tyrod Taylor, the veteran quarterback, who's had some very good days in the NFL, even before he was a giant, teams like Baltimore and Buffalo I think he was a little surprised and, quite frankly, angry that when he got healthy last week that Dayball, the coach, did not insert him back as the starter against Green Bay and stuck with your son. What did Tommy think about that? What do you think about that? Two things on that. First, I taught Tommy from a very young age that quarterback is a fraternity. Only you guys know how hard it is. And if there's three in your room, seven of you in the room, you guys are brothers. You go through the film together, the meetings together. You're going to be tight and support each other no matter what. 
because you don't pick who plays. Everybody wants to play. If you're mad, be mad at the coach because that's who makes those decisions. You don't hold it against each other. That's just the way it is. But my son told me from day one, Tyrod Taylor is the most impressive person he's ever met on and off the field. Wow. And I was lucky enough to meet Tyrod twice and get to talk to him. I was like, Tommy, I see what you're talking about. The guy's a pro. He's a class act. He's just a wealth of knowledge. And again, not not only on the football field, the guy is terrific. That's awesome. But I will say this to you. Uh, This is Tom DeVito. His son, Tommy, has won three straight as the starting quarterback for the Giants. And today was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. How great is that? Uh, He's humble. His son's humble, and that comes from you. So congratulations. You and your wife have done a terrific job. But he's a good kid. I know a lot of people in Jersey that know him personally, and they all love him. When you keep winning, Tom, (laughs) that humility turns to, I think I should play. So if Tommy and this giant football team runs out a bunch more wins at the end of this season, is Tommy going to go into camp next year okay with Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor or anybody else being the starting quarterback for the Giants? Again, it's it's one game at a time. You can't predict the future. You know, you just put your head down, and he's a worker bee type guy his whole life. And uh, you let the chips fall where they may. And, again, the coaches make that decision. You can't control that. So you just do what you can control and move forward, and that's it. Did you coach Tommy ever as a, when he was a little boy? No, I, I okay. had him. I've had him trained since he's five years old. Right. And, uh, but I was at every training session, and I really stopped with him butting in when he got to Bosco because then it was time to say, hey, you know what? Mm. Now you're dad. You're not a coach anymore. Right. And uh, I did it. I'm going to pat myself on the back and say I did a nice job balancing that. No, 100% you did. I, I only ask you that because I was very close with my dad. He passed away three years ago in July, and he coached right. me in everything. Uh, thank you, Tom, in everything. And uh, But football was my big deal. I played Kings Bay football in Brooklyn, and I tell a story in my last book, which came out last September, Citizens United. It's actually the very beginning of the book because the book is about inspiration. And uh, much like your son, uh, not exactly the same, but I've been derailed a couple of times, my own actions. And people have considered me dead on arrival in this career, and now I own this city. Me and your son, just so you know. Uh, but there's a story in the book where my father was my coach. And I was playing Little League football, Tom, for the Redskins at Kings Bay. And he wanted me to take a pitch out against the Steelers. Now, I'm 10 years old, but the kid who was playing defensive end for the Steelers, Tom, looked like mean Joe Green at the age of 10. I swear to God. Uh-huh. So my buddy Jerry Rocco pitches out the football to me, and I run right, and I don't go two steps, and this kid hit me so hard, I think I made my pants, I swear to God. (laughs) So it's the next quarter. My father's in the huddle. He goes, Jerry, same play. Now you're going to pitch it to the left. And I start to yell. I go, Mommy's going to kill you. Mommy doesn't want me to play football in the first place. I'm an asthmatic. You're going to get me killed out here, Dad. You're going to run the play. So Thomas, that's what I have it. Jerry Rocco pitches the ball to the left. I don't get two feet, and this kid smashes me in the face, and I'm down. I'm down for a good five minutes. I thought I died, to be honest. I said, that's the end of this, thank God. Fourth quarter, down by four points. Redskins, Steelers, King Bay football, okay? Father gets in the huddle. He goes, Jerry, you're going to pitch the ball to the right. I said, Dad, he almost killed me twice. What are you doing? He said, you're going to run that play. 
and I took it for a 60-yard touchdown. And I look wow. back at the sideline. I get emotional. I'm sorry. And my father was crying. There was a tear running down his eye. And that was the first time I learned in my life that persistence and resilience will get you somewhere because God knows I didn't want to run that play again after the first time, let alone the third. Do you remember that first moment when Tommy did something on the football field where you're basically driven to tears? Yes, yes. It was, um, I think he was in, it was sixth grade. Yeah, sixth grade football. And uh, he threw a few touchdown passes against our rival to win. And you don't pass much in Little League football. And that's when I knew that he could be something maybe in football when I saw them running a complicated offense at that level, doing spread spread football, which is unheard of because we, we run wing T here in Cedar Grove. And uh, that was my moment for me. Every moment's a moment for me. I'm kind of an emotional guy and a proud dad, but uh, that's the one that sticks out from his youth football for sure. You know, folks have also taken to uh... – the living conditions for your son. They've made fun of that, too, the Italian heritage and the fact that he's still at home with his mom and his dad and uh, the whole uh, chicken cutlet, making his bed, doing his laundry. I think it's cute, personally, and he's he's 25. He's still a very, very young man. I know I was still – I think I left home at 25. I got married. Uh, but I was home at that age right before, early in the uh, 25th year. Uh, what about that? What about all that nonsense that uh, people see uh, tend to seize on, that he's home and your wife makes him dinner? So watch, he's his mom. We let people run with whatever they want to run with. I didn't leave home till I was 28, and I bought my house that I live in before I owned DeVito Plumbing because me and my wife both stood home and saved money. It's just a smart thing to do. And as Italians, I never want my kids to leave. I mean, it's really not only an Italian thing. We're the happiest when they were coming home from college. The house is full of life when they're home. The dynamics are great. We bust each other's chops all day long. And it's just great to have them home. And what parent wouldn't do that? And if they really knew Tommy, he is borderline OCD on his preparation for the day everything's on a magic marker board time he's so independent lived alone for six years when he's coming home i said we don't know what city you're going to play in of course you're going to stay here right and then see where the chips fall sure and right now it's rock star life for him awesome his head spinning around on the swivel that he needs our family more than ever and credit to his brother has been his right-hand man through everything, and my wife as well. And uh, without us, I don't think he could do it right now. I agree. It's just too, too much off-the-field stuff sure. that we're trying to alleviate for him. And you do. You do a terrific job. I know my son uh, is in the first year of high school, Gabe. He's 15. That's his first basketball game tonight. And when he leaves home, I'm going to be a mess. I don't want him to leave. So... Uh, believe me when I tell you, I think it's great that Tommy's home and, like you said, has your support, your wife and his brothers. Have you been a Giant fan your whole life? I should know this. I don't. Have you been? No, honestly, I've been a Steeler fan my whole life. But in the 80s, the Steelers were bad, and I wasn't old enough to go to the sports bars yet. So the Giants and the Jets were the only game in town to watch. I used to wait till halftime to see my Steeler highlights or Monday Night Football to see my Steelers highlights, but they weren't good. So we actually worked for a popular bar where all the Giants would go to, so we would meet the Giants. 
And then we fell in love with Phil Sims and Mark Bavaro and LT and Harry Carson yep. and Carl Banks, and the list goes on. So we actually were rooting for the Giants for a good stretch. And then in 1994, there came DirecTV, and I was back to my Steelers. <laughs> but now everybody's in shock when they see me dressed up in my Giant gear. Love it. Of course, now I'm the number one Giant fan. Damn right you are. This is Tom DeVito. His son Tommy has won three straight for my football Giants as a starting quarterback. And uh, all this discussion about Tommy, I do want to end this conversation talking about you because when I bring your name up, they go, this guy, Tom DeVito, is the best plumber in New Jersey. DeVito Plumbing's the best. And, of course, you talk about installing peerless boilers, and Pete Morgan is sitting right to my left as we're having this conversation. You admit that those are the best boilers anywhere in the country. So just so you know, your kid may be winning games of quarterback with the Giants, Tom, but what they say about you is you're the best in the business. Well, when it comes to boilers, we pretty much are. There's a lot of terrific plumbers in the area, but boilers are a thing. How about that, Pete? Huh? He's an all-pro boiler installer. He, he is. is the man, yeah. He's a Hall of, you know, a hall right. of Famer. Absolutely. He's more than the NFC Offensive <laughs> Boiler of the Week. He is Hall of Famer. No question. That's well, that's great. If you want to know how good the Pugas boilers are, you just feel the weight of them. They're so much heavier than any boiler, and when it comes down to it, it's the cast iron. That's what's going to give you life on the boiler. They have the heaviest, thickest cast iron in the business, and everybody could tell by the weight of them. They're just the best. Hey, Tom, tell Sid what you what you were telling me, that uh, you've had thousands of requests to talk to people and, and offers. It, it, it's day and night. Every television show, every media outlet, from radio to television to documentaries mm. to reality shows, constant hounding of my wife and my phone, people knocking on our door, and we've turned down every request. But because of Pete and Peerless Boilers, I agreed to come on this show. And now that you did come on the show, you love it, don't you? I do. You're a class act. <laughs> I like your personality. Hey, great. Thank you. Tom, one, <laughs> thank one, you. one more thing. I just said this to Sid during the break. In the 74 seasons since the NFL began tracking quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in 1950, Tommy became the first starter in league history to complete at least 80% of his passes, wow. rush for more than 70 yards, wow. commit no turnovers, and take no sacks in a game. It's never been done before. He's, How about that? He's setting records and, and firsts of everything. So great for Tommy, great for you and your family. We couldn't be happier for you. Zach, it's very humbling. We, we appreciate all the support in this area. It's overwhelming. The, the, the real, real support. Like you can tell when people are genuine, it's genuine. It takes it back to my parents era which was the best generation ever and they used to sit by the radio listen to baseball games and boxing matches and football games yeah, yeah. they revered these players as heroes it's kind of like everybody's telling me the community they're just riveted to the tv and they're forgetting their problems or their mortgage payments and all their problems in life and that's like the greatest gift that he's given me and everybody else is the diversion and giving us something to feel good about, and and I'm so proud of that. Well, God bless him, and God bless you, and your, your wife, your, your other sons, your whole family. You are you are a terrific guy. You really are. It's not uh, no shock. The apple did not fall far from the tree in this Devito case. We wish Tommy continued success as lifelong Giant fans. We want him to win every week and stay healthy. That's the most important thing. And uh, you be well, too, Tom, and best to you and your family. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll talk to you after the New Year when Tommy wins the rest of the games on the schedule. How about that? 
Yes, sir. From your lips to God's ears. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, Thanks, take Tommy. care. There he is, the Thanks, quarterback's Tommy. father. That is Tom DeVito. Tommy's now won three straight as a Giants quarterback, doing a tremendous job, coming off a huge, huge big underdog win against the Packers in Jersey on Monday night. That's his dad, Tom DeVito. We've got more to do. Save on a Wednesday. I'll be right back. Nothing ever slows her down and a mess is not allowed. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Oh, here come all the Italians. They're all texting me now from Paul DiGiacomo to Nunzi to Johnny Tobacco. They just keep coming in. Oh, the box. You are an honorary Italian, Sid. I appreciate that. Thank you. Moon's had the best line of all. I think he said here, uh, two kinds of people in the world, Italians and those that want to be Italian. Oh, I got it. Well, you're part Italian, though. Right? You're, you're... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you mostly Italian or mostly Irish? I forget. I think I'd say mostly Irish. Yeah. I think. Well, I'm the way you Italian. drink beer, you got to be. That's Not the right. stereotype oh, yeah. Irish people. No, but... no. That's a, way, that's a good way to uh, figure it out. Yeah, you used to be able to drink beer, too, so Jesus Christ, you kidding? No, I never drank beer. Well, whatever. We... Well, I used to drink booze, but yeah. this guy sits there during a Sunday afternoon at uh, Sean's place, they'll harbor light during a giant football game and drinks like tomorrow they're going to stop serving beer in the country. Well, at least I was sitting down drinking it. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Back in the day when you were horizontal <laughs> drinking it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're not drinking it, you're running around from TV to TV, like, could you, uh, can you believe? What I have, I have ADHD. Oh, Jesus, right. Exist. You know, one time I was in a bar with Lou many, many years ago. When I was, was over twenty years ago, yeah, actually, that one time, and the bar was on fire, and Lou wouldn't leave the bar. No. <laughs> Him and Ed Coleman stayed there, I swear to God. <laughs> no, no shock there, though. <laughs> I, yeah, somebody had to pay the bill. <laughs> so, yeah. I, mad cat me. I don't, I don't miss those days. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Today is gonna be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat, the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. And all the roads we have to walk are winding. And all the lights that lead us there are blinding. There are many things that I would like to 
Oasis Wonderwall, part of the Rosenberg dinner last night. We got them all in. Nice job, Lou Rafino, as always. Nobody better than Lou. Nobody. All the years I've worked in radio, nobody better. I mean that. Nobody. Got an all three Wonderwall, Don't Go Away, and Champagne Supernova. Don't forget, folks, I'll be lighting the big menorah tonight, third consecutive year. I want to thank John and Margot Katsimatidis. I really do. It's a tremendous honor. And especially now, after October 7th, what my people have been through in Israel, in America, on college campuses, all over the country, to be there tonight is uh, really an honor and a thrill. I think I'll get there about uh, 5.30 to be exact. I think we light the menorah sometime before 6. Special good luck to my son Gabriel tonight. Gabriel Martin Atticus Rosenberg plays his very first ever high school basketball game. He's a member of the JV team. They've got a road game tonight. His mom is going like Tom DeVito. Tom DeVito goes to all of Tommy's games. His beautiful mother, Danielle, will be at his basketball game tonight. And Pete... Pete Morgan has done a great job in studio all day, including booking Tom DeVito moments ago. You uh, you have a shout-out as well this morning. Yeah, David Carey's aunt, the great Aunt Louise Barillo. She's a huge Sydney Ferris yeah. author. Rosa well, everybody, everybody listens is, every day when she's walking, and uh, her husband, Richie's not uh, feeling great. So feel better, Richie. We love you, Aunt Louise. Keep listening. Are they in Jersey by you? Yeah, they're up there on the other side of the river, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very nice. Oh, it's a beautiful area over there. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, you're in a nice area, too. Don't get me wrong. It's very nice. Richwood's great. Yeah? Yeah. No, Richwood is very, very nice. Oh, fly. fly is very nice. Mm-hmm. I think I locked my car keys in the car while it was running in Ridgewood. Uh Yeah, and I think you did up at that steakhouse, too. I did that again, uh, too, that sure. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ridgewood for sure, because I think I had to go to Fairlawn to find a cop. Does that make sense? No, but whatever. In the condition you were in, probably, but uh, that's no, not was, easy I, to do. I wasn't drinking that night. It was uh, it was a movie well, date, actually, and yeah. I locked my keys in the car. I wasn't drinking that night. See, he knows the one night. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't sitting in the car that night. Yeah. time either. I mean, you two are talking. These two Irishmen sit next to me. Easy. Nobody drinks either one more than you guys on the bed. Uh, Pete Morgan at, uh, at uh, what was it, uh, Morton's. Morton's in Mawa, New Jersey. Yeah. Or was it Ruth Chris? No, it was whatever. The, the... It was Morton's, right? No. Ruth Chris? Uh, Ruth Chris. Uh, the Knights of and Beningo. R- and... River Palm. Oh, no. Oh, you're right. It yeah, was a River yeah. Palm. Because there's one there. the big rooms back there. Yeah, and there's one in Fairlawn and there's one in Edgewater. Now it's... Right. Those two changed hands. It's just one in Edgewater. But there was one in Mawa. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. filled the place. And, we used to have a great time. And you filled your gullet with <laughs> lots of booze. <laughs> Me and Beningo. And Jody Mack one year. Jody Mack one year, too. Then after you... Took a hiatus. We had Evan Roberts and uh and Oh, you Joe. did? Yeah. yeah, it wasn't as fun. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but Spalty no, paid you cash. No. <laughs> they locked their keys out when the car wasn't running. Yeah. Right. That's all. Joe Beningo is actually going to join us tomorrow. Oh, nice. He's very excited. Yeah, he's been in the news a lot this week because I guess they busted him on him. Uh, well, like Chris Russo said, why would the Jets coach Robert Sella oh, be right. texting Beningo? <laughs> That's, and then yeah. the next day, he just divulged what the text right. information yeah. Right. Was. So now Poor Bob Leisman wrote a whole story yesterday <laughs> about uh, Beningo and about how um, I guess he actually called him out a little bit, you know. Well, he he divulged some of the text. Yes. He like he was saying, well, I, you know, bro, I don't want to say everything that he texts me, <laughs> yeah. but I will say he's not a fan of, uh, well, I can't even say that, but well, I'll tell you, it's uh, uh, Wilson. Well, we're going to find out tomorrow. <laughs> Are we done for today? We have one more set, I think, right? Are we, Are we done? We do. We could say goodbye. We have another Let's say set. goodbye now. Oh, Pete okay. Morgan, as always, excellent job. Great to see you. I love you. Will me and Gabe see you December the 23rd at Rangers Buffalo? We'll, we'll work on that. It's, All that's right. possible. Maybe me and Corey and Spencer. 
Maybe Maureen will see. Oh, perfect. Good to see you, by the way. I love you. All I love, love you great a lot. Pete. Pete Morgan, uh, really Thank one you. of the all-time greats. And again, the man responsible for Tom DeVito coming on the show today. Lou Rubino, genius work, Justin Ellick. And for the second consecutive day, filling in for a vacationing Noam Layden, Jim Flippin coming up very, very, very big. Jimmy's a big-time talent. Nice job, Jimmy. The Flipper. The Flipper. All right, we're done. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll all be back for a Bill O'Reilly Thursday morning edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Until then, from all of us to all of you, New York,